This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Krejci, alongside, as always, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, this is going to be a fun one. This is, a cla- this is one of those episodes, and, 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 and you know, already patting my back before we even start this episode, but this is one of those episodes that only we can do. You know what I mean? Nobody else is going to talk about Q4 Financials, Kenta and AEW, Dunk on Edge bombing in the ratings, Glory, you know, GCW fight forever, two hour. I mean, nobody else covers the the range that we're going to cover on this show. No, nobody else can do a podcast like this in the world. Nobody. No, I agree. Nobody can. But um, and do it as well as us too. Maybe people can, might be able to do it, but not as well as us. No, not a chance. I mean, you know, this is the best wrestling podcast in the world, but. You know, yet there aren't even many that are even going to cover all those topics. What a pompous, arrogant way to start the show. <laughs> I know. If there's a new listener, they're like, these guys fucking suck. Like, these guys are annoying as shit. <laughs> <laughs> they're even more annoying here than on Twitter. Yeah, it's I amazing. thought they were bad on Twitter, and I thought I'd check them out. But, God. <laughs> this is this is nauseating. The, the show hasn't even started yet. At least last week when you said, or, you know, uh, last week when uh, at the end of our segment, on, uh, on on WWE, you were like, you know, oh man, that's a, that's a great episode. That was a great segment. We really killed that one. Really did it well. At least you yeah. waited for us to finish this. I'm already backpatting us. We haven't even started the show. We could we could bomb from here. This is this is you know, this is Jack Kent Cook putting the balloons up in the rafters before you win the game. You, you know, this is just this might be a terrible show. This this has Lanza solo show behind the paywall pompous energy to it, which has rubbed off on you somehow here. Um. So, yeah, now you have set the stage where it has to be a great <laughs> I really hope we don't bomb yet. That's... A lot of pressure here. Oh, jeez, yeah. This is we, we, we called our shot here. We're, we're, we're you know, in, in the week of the Super Bowl. We're, we're going name it here, and we better, we better deliver. So. There's a lot of stuff to bury, so that always helps. It's, it's easier to bury things than to praise things. But the worst hand you could be – the worst, like, uh, I was going to say hand – you could be handed hand. You could be dealt the worst hand. You could be dealt as if everything just kind of was okay. That's where it's hard to get some juice out of a show. It's either gotta be a lot of shit to bury or something was really fucking great. And there was a lot of both of that going on here this week. So, uh, that'll make it a little easier. No, for sure. And, and, and yeah, I just got a little giddy looking at this run sheet because there's just so much to cover here. And then I, I guess, should we just get right into it instead of, I, I know some people are, expe- anytime we have a show and, and the run sheet is just filled with a hundred topics, people just assume that we're going to talk about like Bob Gibson for 45 minutes. And we probably could, and we probably will at some point, you know, get off onto a random tangent that takes way too much time. But uh, it's been such an exciting wrestling week that I actually just wanted to jump in right away 
uh, to this Kent on AEW thing, which I just actually rewatched uh, a few minutes be- ago before we got uh, on you know on the air here. And obviously, you talked about it during the Thursday tier reviews, which for live listeners, you can go to patreon.com slash voice of wrestling, $5 tier, uh, and listen to that when you're done listening to this. And if you're listening on the free feed, uh, you can pay $5 and listen to Joe's Thursday tier reviews, patreon.com uh, slash voices of wrestling. But uh, you covered it at, at length there, uh, you know, discussing the angle, discussing a little bit of, of, of AEW uh, on that night. But I, I, you know, I don't get an opportunity to touch too much on, on, on Dynamite. Uh, because most of the time you just finish recording the Thursday tier reviews and then we do this and we kind of you know talk about some other stuff or, or big picture stuff. But uh, I thought it was a really, really, really awesome episode uh, of Dynamite this week, particularly the main event, which to me had like it just had a different energy to it. It was just you know six guys out there all trying to just fucking kick ass. Boom, boom, boom. Everybody hit their moves perfectly. Gallows even looked good. Anderson looked awesome. I mean, Phoenix was like greatest of all time good in that match. I mean, that was just like one of his best individual performances ever. And then you have, you know, Kenny Omega and John Moxley. And the baseline for those guys is pretty incredible. So they have this awesome match. There's a ton of energy. The announcers are clearly excited about it. The the crowd is, is louder than they've almost ever been uh, in Daly's place. And then it all wraps up after a great match and a great segment and, and, and six great individual performances. Fucking Kenta runs in and attacks John Moxley, unmasks, and oh, geez, like this is cool. This is when wrestling is awesome. And, and and I cannot believe that there are still people out there that A don't think that an AEW New Japan relationship is cool or fun or interesting. Or or B just like don't understand the benefit of of multiple companies working together or you know, a big time company or, or a company that has national TV reaching out to these, you know, little companies and, and, and other companies around the world. Not not saying that New Japan's a little company or anything, but, you know, it's it's pretty damn cool that AEW is willing to, you know, open their doors and, and you know, NWA we've seen uh, inclusions with. We've seen stuff with, with you know, T- Impact, of course, uh, starting there. And then hopefully, you know, we'll, and we'll discuss it a little bit with Kenta and, and, and you know, New Japan and, and AEW, but this shit rules. I mean, this is awesome. When wrestling is like this, it's the best, and you can let you know that other company go and live in their little bubble in their own little world. Uh, but I'm all in on on the rest of the wrestling world, kind of getting together and trying to make the most of of the situation. So yeah, I, I loved the end of Dynamite and the Kenta in AEW thing is just fucking tremendous. I mean, God, that's great. It makes things exciting when you don't know who can pop up. I mean, on one two hour Dynamite, you had match announcements for Aja Kong, Kenta, Shaquille O'Neal. You know, Thunter Rosa from NWA. It, it's it's it's, and you mentioned some of the relationships. There's at least seven loose or solid working relationships they have right now with other companies: Impact, New Japan, AAA, DDT slash Tokyo Joshi Pro, uh, Gato, and if you want to throw, uh, you know, some of these other Joshi promotions like Marvelous in there with some of their wrestlers participating in the tournament, you can throw them in too. Um, and that's good for everyone. That's good for every fan. How is how is this not exciting? This is what you know. This is what pro wrestling's all about. Not knowing what's coming next, surprises around the corner, a new Japan wrestler popping up on this show. About the only thing that went wrong with the entire angle was it was the worst go to sleep I think I've oh, ever seen. It was in my so life. bad. It was so bad. So he puts his elbow up to block it and and it, it, of course it gets nowhere near his face, which whatever. It, I mean, I, it kind of stinks, but you know, just take that. You know, it, it's not too hard. And then he does the thing where he falls and then he sits up and then he falls again. I'm like, "What are you doing, John? Come on, man." No, it's the classic WWE CM Punk go to sleep bump where he throws them off his shoulder, they land on their feet. 
Time stands still. He throws a knee. They block it with both of their forearms. It doesn't come anywhere near their face. And then they take like a standard back bump. You know, it's not the classic Kenta. Oh my God. Did he just cave in Kotero Suzuki's face? <laughs> right. Which for years, he did it for 10 years in Japan or whatever it was. and never hurt anybody. It just looks like it's super dangerous. The best go to sleeps are when you're afraid that the guy has a fractured orbital bone or his skull has been crushed in or he's dead. Those are the best go to sleeps. There used to be a highlight reel on YouTube about three or four minutes long of the best Kenta go to sleeps and the, and the great bumps that, you know, the Yoshinobu Kanemoros, the Katero Suzuki's, the Marafuji's, people like that, uh, the Ricky Marvin's, the way they would bump for this thing. And there's really two great ways to take a go-to-sleep bump. You either dramatically do a backflip like your face has just been, you know, cratered. Or you do the bump where you don't bump at all. You just kind of land straight down on your knees like you've been knocked out. You know the one I'm talking about? Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where they don't take the back bump. But I feel like Kanemoro Kanemor- was always the knee guy, if I remember correctly, right? He would just do it like he just got, like, concussed. Like, he just immediately had, like, a stinger and <laughs> concussion, like, immediately. I think – I'm trying to remember back of, of – body, Their bodies go limp. Yeah, I think that was Kanemoro's way of, of selling it, which I always I always preferred. But I'd, I'd have to go back and rewatch. But I'm, I'm almost positive that's the way he sold it usually. Yeah. Some guys would launch themselves into orbit. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. Contact. You know, but, but it's like the WWE bump. Is, is so bad. Like, it's so extra safe looking. And yeah, the flat back bump with your arms out to the side, <laughs> you know, type stuff. After, it's almost like the old, um, remember the Ricochet Benadriller? Where he would throw guys, but they would just land on their feet, and then he would throw a knee at them? Yeah, oh yeah. That's what, like, the CM Punk go-to-sleep bump was always like. He would just throw the guy off his shoulders. They would, they would land in a standing position. That's not the idea behind the move. The idea behind the move is you're getting thrown up in the air and have no control over your body, and you're coming down face first on the man's knee. That's the idea. And, you know, obviously, that's what makes great work, right? To make it safe, but have it look dangerous. And I know that Kenta hurt a couple people in WWE with it, but he's been a pro, he's been a, he's been doing this move for like 15, 20 years. It's a very small sample size, it's going to happen. You know, and and I think that it's kind of like when AJ Styles went through that period where a bunch of guys, he hurt two or three people with the Styles Clash, all in like a cluster, all happened like within a year's period, and everybody wanted to ban the Styles Clash, despite the fact he had done it for 10 years prior, and has done it for 10 years since, and no one has gotten hurt. Right, yeah, there was that, the the, the Lionheart and then the uh, uh, Yoshitatsu, both in like, you know, a span of like a year or two, uh, so everybody was ready to be done with it, and, and, and yeah, now he's done it, you know. From that point, from you know 2013 or 2014 till today, with with pretty much minimal injuries at this point. So, Roderick Strong took an awkward bump. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about Roderick. Yeah, but it's like you forget that Michelle McCool and Bison Smith and and whoever the fuck else have also done the move. You know, thousands of times. And um, but it's the same thing with the go to sleep. It's like that was a really really ugly. I mean. He landed on his feet, and then the knee didn't even come anywhere near him. Like, thank God they switched angles on it. I, You know, that was a stroke of luck where they switched angles at the last second. So it didn't look nearly as bad as it could have looked. It still looked awful. But um, aside from the worst and, – and that is the worst go-to-sleep I've ever seen. And believe me, I've seen CM Punk do some really bad ones. But, um, you know, aside from that, angle was a home run. Crowd was going ape shit. Um, 
you know, Twitter was buzzing for hours afterwards. People were just so excited. And look, I don't know what this means moving forward. It could just be after this Kenta Moxley thing plays out, that's kind of the end of this for now. But the important thing is the door is now open. The door has now been Yeah, the the light has entered, you know, the building, you know, the room is, is, you know, the light is entering the room. It's at least... It's it's cracked open. It's you know a, a man was able to fit through that door. That's that's I mean, is it kicked down? Is it thrown apart? Is the door completely removed? It, no, I, I don't think we're quite there yet. And obviously, the pandemic is going to make sure that that door is still at least you know somewhat on the hinges. But yeah, a guy got through that door, and yes, it was a, a, a very interesting circumstance to make it all happen. And and the amount of things that had to happen for this to occur for Kenta to show up on AEW. I mean, Moxley had to continue to have that title, which you you, you know had been screaming about for for months and months and months is don't strip him of the title don't create an interim champion just keep it on him who cares whatever and thank god they did because this this moment doesn't happen if if juice robinson's you know your your u.s champion or whatever i mean this moment just does not happen it doesn't occur this way uh and then you also need kenta to be able to you know have residence in orlando and be able to you know come here and 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 hang out for a little bit and, and and get away from new japan for a few weeks and be able to quarantine and be able to do all that sort of stuff so yeah i mean is this now like you know, are we ready to have a Roshi Tanahashi on AEW, you know, in a few weeks? No, I don't think we're anywhere near that point yet. But like you're saying, at least that door has been creaked open. And at least we know that a conversation happened uh, between the two parties. And and, and yeah, I, I, I do want to temper expectations that this is not now the beginning of some un- unbelievable. I mean, as far as I know, we don't know anything more uh, than, than, you know, everybody listening here. But as far as we know, like, yeah, it, it, the door isn't slammed open. And now, oh, my God, they're going to be sharing talent and stuff. And, you know, whether pandemic or not, we don't know what, what the case would be. But we officially, you know, we definitely know that with the pandemic the way it is, that, like, that's just not possible right now for it to be as open and for guys to be bouncing back and forth and doing stuff and young lions to be doing, you know, excursions or whatever. I, may, I mean, I don't know. I, I We're going to see. But, yeah, for, for right now, just be excited that Kenta – came and that Kent and Mox are going to have a match and at least we're going to get that we got this moment or at least we're going to have some matches with those guys uh but beyond that who who knows it's still it's still a big question mark but like you said at least the the, the good news for people that are are you know like exciting wrestling is that uh that that door has opened a little bit and 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 we're interested now and now we can kind of speculate and, and get interested in you know what the future holds it's just funny though because it was already open i think that just the shock factor of Kent showing up is kind of like symbolic, symbolically the opening of it. But they clearly had been doing business already. You had the Moxley video at New Beginning, and then he shows up. I mean, he he physically showed up on New Japan Strong. And you had, you know, uh, Kenny Omega wearing the Bullet Club shirt a couple of weeks ago. You had them naming Bullet Club by name. So obviously, these two sides were already talking. But that's going to be lost to history. In history, no matter where this goes, it's going to be the night Kenta showed up on Dynamite. You know what I mean? Right. It's just one of those things where it's going to be kind of like uh, not on the same scale, obviously, unless this – well, who knows? Unless this becomes a huge business-changing relationship. Um, but right now you have to say not on the same scale. It's going to be very similar to the Stone Cold 316 promo where that really wasn't the kickoff of anything. No. You know, you say it all the time. It took nine more months or whatever. He was right back to wrestling Savio Vega in Caribbean strap matches the next month. But people see that as the moment where it all turned around, but it wasn't. And people are going to historically remember this Kenta moment. It's a big moment. That people excited. 
It really is a shame that that go to sleep fucking stunk. You're more you're more upset about it than I was. I mean, it stunk, but at least it, it didn't. It seems to have definitely uh, affected you. But you're you're a long time. You're a as long as I've known you, you've you've rallied against bad go to sleeps. So um, yeah, I get it. Like yeah, I remember the you know early message board Joe Lanza. Uh, when, when I first interacted with you is, yeah, you getting very upset about, you know, CM Punk's terrible go-to-sleeps at WWE and showing gifts of, like, Kenta. And I, I'm pretty sure that video got passed around, too, that you were showing, or at least videos of Kenta uh, throwing go-to-sleeps. And you're like, that's how it's done. That's how you do it. Because, <laughs> like, you know, a lot of us really liked CM Punk. We were big fans. And I remember you just be like, no, here's how the, he does the move all wrong. He stinks. He, it's, you know, not necessarily always his fault, but he 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 definitely passed on. Uh, the bad habits that that unfortunately it felt like uh, Kenta kind of got when he uh, went. It, it's not even the guy doing it; it's the guy taking the bump. You know, you really don't have any control over the guy how over how the guy takes the bump. You know what I mean? You just throw him off your shoulder, and if he wants to land on his feet, he's going to land on his feet. If he wants to land straight down on his fucking face, he's going to land straight down on his face. So, I just think that was a WWE thing where they wanted people to take the bump safely as possible, but it really takes all the impact out of the move. Do you remember Ring of Honor 2009, Houston, WrestleMania weekend, the, the Davey Richards, um, Kenta, ultimate dumb jock match, and it would have been a five-star match, except Kenta tried to do the go-to-sleep backwards with Davey flipped over. Yes, like, oh my back. god, yes, yeah. Didn't, uh... And they blew the first try, <laughs> and they tried it again. Went back to it, yeah, yeah I remember that. Because they're dumb jock wrestlers. And they blew it again. And then Kenta just got frustrated and grabbed them by the hair and threw them on his shoulder and did it the traditional <laughs> way. And finished the match. But very amb- very ambitious. to tra- That is dumb jock energy for anybody who doesn't understand, who still doesn't understand the dumb jock energy thing. Kenta versus Davey Richards trying to do this impossible move. Twice. The, backwards <laughs> right. the best idea is they fuck it up once and it's like, nah, fuck that. We can do it better. We can definitely do it. It's going to work. And it's like, no, it's not going to work, guys. And then, like, But they decide to do it again. It doesn't work. And then instead of just saying, ah, oh, that's the finish, whatever, or just pinning the guy after the one bad one, then deciding, oh, I need to actually get my real one in here before we finish this match. So Dave Richards ends up having to take three of these fucking go to sleeves before yeah. it's over. That match rocked. Yeah, I remember that one. That was awesome. That was the the best match I ever saw live. Up to that point. I don't know if it would still hold that title. Interestingly enough, I've never watched it back. So yeah, I'll be honest. I'm to... trying to remember the last time I even watched that match. It may. Yeah. I mean, maybe at the time. Yeah. Or like right after. I, I, I think maybe the DVD or whatever that I saw. I'm trying to remember the last time I, I, I saw it. So I don't, I have no idea. Like if I, you know, a lot of times, you know me though, I'm leave the memories alone guy. Mm-hmm. I remember it being a great match and the best match I've ever seen live up to that point. That's been, you know, what, 13 years since or whatever. So who knows? Um, what was that? 2009. 2009. So, yeah, about yeah. 12, 13 years or something. So I never, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a desire. I mean, I just remember, I remember it and I remember everything about it. And I remember going ape shit. And I remember sitting next to Katsuhiko Nakajima who watched it right next to me. <laughs> And that, that's, you know, so I don't know. I, I Why would I – why – see, when I went back and watched that Malenko-Guerrero match that aired on – the one that aired – because they had a bunch of matches. Malenko and Guerrero, a lot of people – those guys came to ECW. What people don't realize is they wrestled each other every night. Yeah. Like they didn't wrestle anyone else. They just wrestled each other like on all the house shows, everywhere. Um, 
and the Malenko Guerrero Classic is like the three most famous of those matches or whatever that made that VHS comp or whatever. But the one that aired on TV, they're the one where they were leaving. You know, I remember that match being like just me and my friends, the best thing we'd ever seen in our life when it aired on TV. And I watched it back like 10 years later and it did not hold up to my memories. And that's the day I decided, fuck this. It doesn't just what, how you felt in the moment is what matters. Just because Joe Lanza has seen all of this shit since Guerrero and Malenko that has surpassed it shouldn't change how great it was to me then. You know what I mean? So it's like, it bothers me that I felt that way about that match. So there's a lot of times with matches where I just don't want to go back and watch them. So, um, because I don't want to feel that way again about the match. Yeah, I, that that one, I'll be honest. I, I do. I, I was just checking. I have this uh, Kenta DVD, the Kenta ROH Go to Sleep DVD, which I think is most of, if not all of his ROH matches. Uh, that one is on there, so I might have to go back. Because I, I honestly probably have not seen that match since 2009. So I don't care. I, I will watch old wrestling and, and, and enjoy it. So Yeah, it's like that's why I kind of agree in some ways of the Meltzer theory. But he's also ridiculous in some ways, too, in saying that, like, you can't watch something old and judge it because it wasn't for you. Yes, you can. But I I also kind of see his point, though, because it really doesn't change how great any of these matches were for me in real time. Right. It, it just takes and, and we've had this discussion before. I mean, it just takes you having a little bit of intelligence and, and, and a little bit of, of ability to say, OK, in the in its time, yeah, this was great, or, or or that, you know, and I think you know we we get it from from I think the sports world where you and I I think are both do this more than probably a lot of other people, but we watch old sports. I watch a ton of old basketball games. You 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 used to you know go back. I remember this last summer you were going back and watching a bunch of old you know World Series games from like the '60s or whatever. And as long as you can say, hey, look. Uh, Will Chamberlain's really awesome, and I really like watching him, but yeah, no, in today's NBA, yeah, I don't know what he would do, I don't know if he'd be good, I don't know, whatever, yeah, LeBron James would, is probably a better player than him overall, but like, you just, it doesn't make Will Chamberlain bad, and you just have to go with the context of, of those times, I'm always, and that's why I hate doing any sort of, uh, oh, who are the top 50 wrestlers of all time, or who are the top 10 wrestlers of all time, I'm like, dude, I don't know, like, that guy was good in his era, and that's all I can judge him in, is in the era that he played in, it's like, you know, you can't, you know, or, or, or wrestled in, like, I, 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 I hate doing, like, oh, we're, we're What's the top five of all time? I'm like, hey, you can't compare, you know, can't compare what happened in 1970 to what happens in, 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 in 2012 uh, in pro wrestling and basketball and baseball or anything. So it's just like, yeah, I, I don't I hate those things. So as long as you can sort of differentiate the two and compartmentalize the two, I think you, you're fine watching old wrestling and just kind of saying, hey, you know what? That this maybe isn't as good as it was, uh, you know, in its day, but still pretty uh, damn awesome uh, for the context of its time. I think what he wasn't understanding is my problem wasn't with old wrestling. My problem was specifically with yeah, Dory. with Dory Funk Jr. Who, if you were born in 1970, probably you probably would have thought fucking sucked too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no doubt in my mind that if I lived through Dory Funk Jr., I wouldn't have enjoyed his work because there's other work from that period that I do enjoy. There's other work. There were other matches on that card I was specifically talking about that I liked. You know, the Andre Harley race match that was on the same exact show. Thought it was really good. You know, so. Um, but anyway, we got off kind of on a tangent with the go to sleeps. But um, yeah, I mean, this is this is it's great that AEW is willing to work with anyone. It opens up more possibilities. It makes things far more exciting. Look how much better this women's tournament is when you incorporate all of these wrestlers from all of these different promotions. And I'm sure Emmy Sakura had a lot to do with helping to put that together and everything. And I'm sure a lot of those women aren't ever going to wrestle in an AEW ring. 
but that's fine. It just gives – look how excited, like, the Joshi community is yeah. about this tournament. Yeah, we have a great article up on the website right now, Taylor, uh, from uh, Jumping Bomb Audio uh, on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. I'll put up a great piece. So if, you, if you're not aware of any of the women that are in that – in the Japanese side – uh, of that bracket, uh, he he wrote a great article with match links and stuff. So you you get all the background of everybody uh, and match links if you want to check them out as well. But yeah, like you're saying, the excitement is palpable just for uh, that tournament. Which you know, if it was just if it was just the American women in that tournament, <laughs> I mean that's a that's a big yeah. big difference between the, the two. And that's it. Kind of speaks to your point that you've been making about AEW's women division for for a long long time. Is like we're judging it on the merit of of the pandemic era women's division, which basically got half the roster cut out from under them and lost their, their top, you know, wrestler in, in, in Britt Baker, their top star, at least, uh, in Britt Baker. And, and you have to, yeah, no, with, with this entire roster that's on the Japanese side, be on AEW every single week. No, of course not. But if at two of those, if two of them were just pick any of the, you know, pick any of the two on that list there, you know, if, if they were regulars on AEW's, you know, normal TV, that women's division is greatly, uh, you know, improved and increased or whatever. So it's just, yeah, as I, I've always agreed with, with that is, yeah, it's just people judging this women's division and, Via this pandemic roster, which is just not fair because it's just not it wasn't it wasn't set up to sustain without uh, the you know those extra reserves or those extra you know firepower that they had. The the pandemic slash injured injury riddled roster, where Britt and Statlander and all and and these people were all injured on top of Riho being back in Japan and not being able to get people in you know B Priestley or whoever else, um, not just from Japan but you know worldwide and you know they were just working with you know in the heart of the pandemic a terrible limited roster where people like like Reba, not rebel were forced into action where people like uh, Dasha, uh, what's the interview girl's name? Uh, I think Dasha Fuentes. Yeah. Where she was forced to be in the, in the tag tournament because they were out of bodies where they were, you know, and yeah. And people were complaining week after week. Oh, all they get is segment seven, one segment per show. Yeah. Because the division fucking stinks and it does more harm than good to put shitty wrestlers and shitty wrestling on TV and instead of sitting there slapping a stopwatch, use your fucking brain and realize that it would it would be uh, uh, harmful to feature more women's wrestling with this depleted shit-ass roster. They took their time. They rebuilt it. And look now. You get this awesome tournament. There are two different women's titles being defended semi-regularly on Dynamite with Serena Deeb in the NWA title and, and um, Sheeta with the AW, uh, AEW title. You've got this awesome down-card feud with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, which is one of the best feuds in the entire company, if we're being honest. And they killed it last night. You know, well-built feud, and then the match delivered. You've got um, the Red Velvet and Jade Cargill feud, which is is going to, you know, they're going to have a match with Shaq and Cody on March 3rd. So you got that going on. They've slowly rebuilt it. They've made good decisions. And this is what we were saying all along, especially me behind the paywall, but you nodding in agreement all along. Be patient. Don't listen to the stopwatch slappers. They're wildly off base. It's surface level uh, criticisms that wisely AEW ignored. They went about their business. They rebuilt the division uh, the right way, and they're doing it properly. And now you're seeing the results of that. And those stopwatch slappers are real quiet now, all of a sudden. Real quiet. You don't see any of those complaints anymore. Um, At least in our circle, we don't because, I mean, there might be some you know, dolts out there that are still, you know, whining about it, but they're doing, you know, this is exactly how you had to feed. And this is what I said all along, give them time and the benefit of the doubt. And if they don't fix it, I'll be right there with you. But I was confident that they would because I looked. 
Looks like we may have lost uh, Joe here. I don't know. Uh, see if he can hear me or not. I don't know if he can. I can hear you. Oh, you can. All right. You, you just cut out randomly mid-sentence. I've so. been talking the whole time. Something happened. I don't know if you hit mute by mistake or something. You said something and cut out. So um, How long have I been out? Uh, just like just like 30 seconds. I don't know what sentence you were in, in the midst of, but. You're good. You're back. <laughs> you can hear I don't know what's going on. Can you hear me, Joe? Oh, boy. Okay, hold on one sec. We'll figure out what's going on with Joe uh, here, who is cutting in and out. I'll figure out what uh, what we got going on here. Technical difficulties. That's why we go live, because we love having these difficulties <laughs> and figuring out what's going on with them. All right. Uh, one moment, I will find out from Joe. He is still on the line at shows, but uh, not hearing him. All right, so it says Joe has left, so give us, uh, give us a minute. <laughs> Hello. Hello, there you are. All right. Unbelievable. I, how much of that did you even get? Okay, so I got most of it. I got most of it. Um, you did cut out. Are, are, you're, you're back. You can hear me talking? Yeah, I can hear you now. I had That, that was radio gold. So, I no, I, I think we got most of it. We got most of it. You were right. you were ranting about the stopwatch slappers. You said, where are they? You can't find them anymore. There's still a few of them. Yeah. Okay. And then I don't know where. You cut off somewhere in that range. I don't remember exactly what the conversation was. but. All right. Well, you know. People might have lost half of my pompous victory rant on the AEW women's division, but I think they get the idea. I we're, think we got most on... of it. For the record, I yeah. believe we got most of it. It's just the, the last sentence that you, you said there. You, you were wrapping it up with a what I'm sure was a very, very uh, a poignant point that, uh, unfortunately, I think got lost. So Yeah, if you listen, if you want to hear more of that pompous victory lap, there's more behind the paywall today on TV reviews. <laughs> there so go. there you go. Uh, uh, let's, let's talk about, obviously, the, one of the big stories of this week as well with uh, AEW. And uh, NXT was the the ratings battle between the two and and uh, AEW doing obviously their beach blast, which has a re- had a wrestling wedding and and yet again wrestling weddings draw uh, better than <laughs> for better than anybody could possibly imagine they would still draw to this day. I mean even Impact even Impact would pop big numbers with wrestling weddings and I think they had like nine of them just because they knew that it was like a guaranteed thing. People love uh, wrestling weddings, but obviously there was probably many things that resulted in uh, AEW. Uh, in their pretty big victory this week. But on the flip side of that, uh, NXT, out of the top 50 in, in, in the prime demo, the, the key demo, uh, and I think the big part of that is that uh, despite, you know, not a lot of fanfare about it, despite a one-day build, despite, you know, not really a ton of buzz uh, that we noticed, fucking Edge was on NXT. <laughs> Edge, the winner of the Royal Rumble, was on NXT and wrestled on NXT, and still they got pulverized uh, by NXT uh, or by AEW uh, this week. I mean, what what do you make of that? I mean, obviously you probably t- talked about a lot during the Thursday TV reviews, but uh, it, it'll it'll bring up a larger point that we want to talk about a little fallout from the Royal Rumble. But you know, initially, what do you think of 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 Edge not really pulling in uh, a, a big rating for NXT? Nobody cares about Edge. Nobody cares about Edge. First, it was Monday. Now it was Wednesday. On Monday, the Raw following the Royal Rumble lost. Over 500,000 viewers from the year before from the Raw following the Royal Rumble. 500,000 viewers. 1.8 million this year. Um, you know, about 2.4 million for last year's Raw after the Royal Rumble. 
And look, you can say pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, I get all that. You can cut them a break if it was – look, if they had done $2 million, $2.1 million, okay, you cut them the pandemic break. But Rich, this raw number was right in line with other recent raw numbers. They were up 4% from the week before. Nobody turned on the raw after the Royal Rumble uh, because they were hyped about Edge and Bianca Blair. It just didn't happen. No, and, it, and that's usually number. it's usually a very well uh, charting uh, raw. And I think what was that four uh, percent week over week as well, which is even more damning. I think, yeah, yeah which it, like you know week over week, and we're talking about like the go home to Royal Rumble, which is you know whatever. But the the post Royal Rumble shows is always. I mean, it, it, it we you know anybody who's who studied ratings or, or, or studied the business of wrestling, you know, for for years and years and years knows that that was that was the big night. That was everybody came back. It was the big post Royal Rumble. Okay, boom, we're on the road to WrestleMania now. What are we building for WrestleMania? Who's the top stars? Who's going for the titles? Who won the Rumble? It was like from that point, from the day after the Royal Rumble until the you know all the way through WrestleMania, the day after WrestleMania, and then a little bit, you know, till, you know, late April, May, that was like the peak ratings. And you could every single year see that that chart just boom, right after the Royal Rumble, people interested, people watching 4% increase week over week. I mean, that is terrible. It's a a normal raw number. Yeah. It's a normal raw number, you know? And then, you know, Edge teases that he's going to to NXT. And I'm thinking, okay, Edge versus Beach Break here, you know, Oh my! Six hundred ten thousand viewers in a point one five for NXT. Yeah. Worst numbers in weeks. Now, do you think that would have been better if they actually, you know, fucking really advertised it and didn't just have them like hushed tones talk on on Twitter about, oh, I, you know, I'm in I'm in Orlando visiting my wife and no. I should wrestle. Like Monday, I mean, Monday, Monday tells me the answer is no. Yeah. Nobody cares about the Sedge story. It is not connecting. It is not resonating. I don't want to hear another word about Edge. He's probably going to go on SmackDown on Friday because he's doing the gimmick where he teases challenging every champion, right? That's the gimmick. And he's probably going to end up wrestling Roman Reigns at the end of the day anyway. So he'll probably show up SmackDown Friday. He'll have another crack at it on a show that actually has momentum and is doing fairly well by their modern standards. And, you know, if, if he doesn't pop a number there, I mean, then forget it. I just don't think this story – and look, I have no problem with Edge – in a vacuum. I like Edge as a person and a wrestler. I think it's a pretty cool story. He never lost the title seven years ago. Now he has a chance to get it. Comes back from this neck injury where he thought his career was over. Comes back from the arm injury. Comes back at the Royal Rumble last year. Comes back at the Royal Rumble this year. In a vacuum, the story's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Right? But it is clearly not resonating even with their core fan base. It's just not. Nobody cares. It's astounding to me how bad this NXT number was. And we don't have the quarter hours, but it went head to head with the wedding. And it, so it probably got smashed because he went in, he got into the ring top of the hour and the wedding was the top of the hour. Okay. Maybe he cut into Dynamite's big lead. I guess that's possible. We don't know till we see the quarters and maybe we have to backpedal a little on this take, but either way, look at the gigantic gap between Dynamite and NXT this week. A week after AEW had uh, broadcast issues and NXT benefited by getting a lot of their viewers. They didn't hold any of them. They all went right back to Dynamite this week. This is a bad couple of days for Edge. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to cut it. Nobody cares about this story. It's a real bad sign. And it and it hammers home the point that we've been trying to make all week. That it just puts a giant spotlight and exemplifies the idea that they cannot create new stars. And at the expense of your Goldbergs and your Edges because it's safe and it's comfortable, 
right? And now on top of that, no one even gives a shit about Edge. So it's, it becomes an even bigger because that way, if that's the case, you should have just went with somebody else new and rolled the dice. Because this Edge thing, at least the early returns, are not connecting. I mean, to epic failure levels. No one gives a shit. And that's actually a surprise to me. I didn't think NXT would tank. Even after Monday, I thought they would be competitive with Dynamite because of Edge. Now I'm, I'm off of it. I'm done with Edge. I don't want to hear a word about Edge. These WWE fans talking about how oh, Edge, Edge is so great. Just a great Edge story. What a difference. No one cares. And can we please stop with the they made a star? Why don't you talk about the Women's Rumble where they made a star? Oh, they did? You really have confidence that they made a star in that match? What guts does it take the balls to say with confidence that they made a star in Bianca Belair that night? And that obviously has nothing to do with Bianca Belair. God, who no, I love because she could absolutely be a star. Yeah, if if, if yeah. with with the right company and a smart and not a you know an eighty year old cokehead in charge that has no idea what he's doing week to week anymore. Uh, yeah, no, there's no doubt that Bianca Belair would would, would be a big star. There's no doubt. I mean, she has the, all the talent in the world, all the charisma, all the, the 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 you know the skills in the ring, just everything she's got. Yeah, no, any other competent company could probably make her a star uh, overnight. Rhea Ripley in a snap of a finger, should be a star. I mean, hell, we should be having, we should have had this conversation last year about Rhea Ripley being a star. We're, we're a year past that point, you know, for already being the star. I mean, that, that to me, it, it is, it is definitely interesting that, yeah, I, I think, you know, and, and, and you discussed it a little bit on, on, on Twitter and, and we'll talk about it here a, a bit is the idea we're, we're, we operate on a lot of different planes. And I think a lot of the listeners on this show who are very intelligent people, because they're listening to the show. So of course they, they're, they're very smart. We call you guys dopes, but compared to the rest of the dopes, you guys are pretty damn smart. Um, but you guys understand it. Most of the people listening to the show understand it, that the, the term star and what a star means. And when we say the term star, we don't mean person that's in main events. We don't mean person that, that Michael Cole says, that's a star. We don't, we, we're not talking about somebody that Tom Phillips calls a star. We're talking about bona fide, actual, business-moving star. You know, the, 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 the can you pass the mom test? Can you pass the, the yada, yada? Like, tangible things. Point to me to business. Point me to, uh, you know, growth. Point me to buys. Point me to merchandise. Point me to that sort of stuff. Not just they are in main events. And, and there are a lot of people, and it's not necessarily their fault, I would say. It's not necessarily their fault that they grew up in an era where WWE just the way that they call people stars, they just call everybody stars. Everyone's superstars. Everyone's a star. And and if you're in a main event, if you're given a modicum of some sort of push, you're a star. And it's like, no, hold on, like let's calm down a little bit before we call these people stars. You know, people. You know, when when we were we have this discussion, and we'll, we'll talk about it here in a bit about you know the age of the average age of this Royal Rumble and how the, you know they they hadn't created stars and people were giving us well what about what about Big E and I'm like well, dude 2014 Big E was the IC champion seven years later he's the IC champion that's not a star Big E is not a star Bianca Belair is not a star yet and I don't like I don't have much confidence because they haven't been really able to do it really ever or they haven't been able to do it in quite some time and and you know you bring up this point about Edge and, and I do want to I do want to preface this that. I think you and I and a lot of people listening probably assume, oh, Edge is, you know, Edge is a star. Edge is, you know, this the star from the past. But I think we can tangibly point to when he was being pushed that he wasn't a star. And that was kind of the first, one of the first few guys that WWE just decided we're going to say that this guy's a star. Kind of in the same mold uh, as a Randy Orton where from day one they just called that guy a star. They gave him a bunch of pushes. They gave him a bunch of stuff. But tangibly you look at it and there's no real business metrics other than the live sex celebration to point to that says Edge is a star. 
other than he's a, he's a 19-time WWE champion and a 77-time tag team champion and all this sort of stuff, and they call him a star, and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer and the WWE Hall of Fame and all that sort of stuff. But I ar- I'd argue that he's even a star, I, I and, and, and it points to a big issue that this company has now had for two decades and, and continues uh, to go down because now we're repeating guys that weren't even stars a decade ago, that guys that weren't even stars 15 years ago are now being rehabbed and called stars. And I think that is is even more of an issue. I think when your typical WWE hardcore argues with us on Twitter or replies to or quote tweets us with one of our tweets saying that they're, they have trouble creating stars with pictures of Big E and Alexa Bliss, I don't even necessarily blame them because they're just operating on a different plane than we are. Right, right. To them, these people are stars because, w, like you say, WWE tells them that they're stars. They push them as stars. We're having two different conversations. They're ignorant to the conversation we're having. They don't read The Observer. They don't uh, listen to WrestleNomics. They don't study the business side of wrestling. And they don't understand that when we're talking about stars, we're talking about people who make a difference. Draw ratings, sell tickets, uh, sell network subscriptions, make a tangible difference to business. That's the kind of star they've struggled to make. Our listeners understand that. These people think that we're nuts, and I understand why they think we're nuts. Because they genuinely think that Alexa Bliss is a breakout star. When in reality, Alexa Bliss is a complete non-entity. She's nothing. Alexa Bliss could disappear tomorrow. It wouldn't make any difference whatsoever to WWE's bottom line. She's a meaningless mid-carder. You know? Big E, as you know, is in the same exact spot he was in seven years ago. Intercontinental champion heading into the Royal Rumble. Intercontinental champion heading into the Royal Rumble. You know, it's like these people aren't stars, but these people that argue with us, they're just they're not even worth responding to or or having conversations with because they're operating on a different plane. They don't understand what we're talking about. I don't mean to sound pompous or arrogant, but I, I even told a couple of them that we're willing to engage. The conversation we're having is over your head. You don't understand what we're the conversation we're having. Okay, you like to turn on your show, and you're an Alexa Bliss fan, and you th- and that's great. People don't need to be privy to all this inside business shit to be a fan, and they're not, and they just don't get it. It's ignorance. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great point. Now they're telling us people that weren't really stars before are still stars now, like Randy Orton, who never really was, and Edge, who you could argue never really was, although he did move ratings for a, a time there. But I've never been a big Edge guy. Not a Hall of Fame voter for Edge. I, I, you know, I, I never thought he was the star that people think he is. He certainly isn't now. I don't really want. I don't really want to relitigate 2007 or whatever with, for Edge. All I know is right now he's not making any difference. And back to my point about Bianca Belair, you got to have some set of balls to to confidently state that they made a star. Yeah, here we go. Boom. <laughs> the trajectory is on. Let's go. I mean, I hope so. I'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I'd love to see it. It'd be good for us. It'd be good for wrestling. It'd be good for WWE. You can't have any level of confidence that this is going to work out. Shinsuke Nakamura won a Royal Rumble a couple years ago, and people were saying the same shit. Where's he? You know, it's like, you can't have any. How could you have that kind of confidence? I don't understand it. You know, and and me being a, a Belair supporter from her very first NXT match. That's on tape, baby. That is on tape. You can listen to that in the archives. 
saying this is the one, but having no confidence they'd ever get there with her. How can you? That's not being negative. It's being realistic. We've been going over this for a decade. So it's not that the men's Royal Rumble participants, it's not, see, it's not, the problem isn't that it was the oldest Royal Rumble ever, which is a fact, by the way. The problem isn't that there were only two people under 30 in the Royal Rumble. The problem isn't even that Edge won the Royal Rumble. All of those things would be fine, and nobody would be bringing them up if they had more of a track record of making new stars over the last decade. We wouldn't even be thinking about, you know what we'd be saying? Oh, this is a cool little story they're doing with Edge. But it, but when, you, when you're pushing the guy that's 47 in a Royal Rumble where everybody's over 30, and it's the oldest Royal Rumble ever, and you've struggled to make stars for a decade, it amplifies the problem when you're pushing the guy that's 47. And I don't think that people understand they're missing the point. It isn't about Edge. I have nothing against Edge. Right. I like Edge. I'm not an Edge hater, you know, uh, independent of what he's doing for – see, because I can separate these things. He hasn't done a thing. This He's been a disaster for him this week. For But I like him, and I think it's actually a decent story that they're telling. And I never give them credit for the stories they tell. I think this one's halfway decent. So that's the problem. It just it's, – it's amplifying the bigger picture issue in the company. And yeah, you can say, look at the women's rumble all you want. But we did praise that. Yeah, it was great. And I, I, I think most of it, the best part is, you know, and again, uh, just a note, if you're going to use Twitter, first off, don't use it. Delete it off your phone uh, immediately. Uh, but if you must, if you must use Twitter uh, and you are going to say, you know, reply to somebody, particularly us and say, well, why aren't you talking about X? At least do yourself a favor and maybe go back, I don't know, at least 12 hours. I, I think I think that's pretty fair. At least 12 hours through the timeline and make sure that you don't that that person isn't talking about X because how many replies do we have that said, well, why aren't you talking about the women's rumble where like literally eight hours earlier, we're like, wow, look at all the young talent in this women's rumble. What a great rumble. This was good. Like, this is great. And hopefully they create something out of Bel Air and Ripley or whatever. So yeah, if you're going to say, why don't you talk about X, at least scroll a little bit and find out if X got talked about on that account that you're replying to just, just a little, little bit of, of, of warning. But again, please delete uh, Twitter off your phone immediately. And maybe just throw your phone into a, li- a river or the nearest body of water if possible too. So, you want another terrible counterpoint? Um, guy who adds up the age of other companies. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> when, like, I saw one guy who, um, uh, one guy threw the average age of the Wrestle Kingdom main eventers into the mix. You know, because it was like 35 or some shit like that. And it's like, what a non-point. You're going to compare WWE to the one company on earth that has had no problem making new stars over the <laughs> over the last decade, which which has the best track record of making new money drawing stars over the last decade. And that's my point. No one's going to pay attention to how old your main eventers are if you're consistently making new stars underneath them. No one would be complaining about the average age of this Rumble or even noticing if over the last 10 years they had properly elevated – uh, you know, Biggie and and Adam Cole, and you can name whoever you want into being proper money drawing stars at the top of the cards. Everyone would be just saying, "Oh yeah, the Edge story is pretty good. I like this." But it, it's just it amplifies the bigger picture issue. So, yeah, and and we did get a lot of you know replies as well that just the best. Like, well, you know, guys take care of their bodies better these days, and it's like I'm glad they do. That's cool. You don't have to push them. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, well, that's- how about this? 
How about this counter? How about make a new star of any age? Right. I, <laughs> That's, I, I don't care. I don't, even, yeah. I don't need them to be 25. Just make a new star, any new star. It's like, you know, it's it's like the guy playing three-card Monty on the street. You know, pick a card, any card. I don't fucking care how old he is. Make a new star. How about that? So, yeah, I agree. Wrestlers take better care of their bodies, and you can get more mileage out of them. They're not even promoting people to the main roster till they're 38. Punisher Martinez is the hot new star in the Royal Rumble. He's <laughs> almost 40. Did you see, and I think our, our very own Sean Cedor, uh, Mr. ROH on our website, had a great, because there's there's Edge on Raw, hand, you know, giving a handshake to, to Damian Priest. And all these WWE people, all these quote tweets are like, Edge giving it to the next generation, or the next generation, you know, learning from the legends of the past or whatever. And Sean points out that, you know, obviously David Priest is, is 38. And what people did is, I forget exactly who the tweet was from, and I, I, I'm sorry, but uh, it was Undertaker meeting with John Cena backstage. And it's like, you know, it, it, and the idea is that the Undertaker passed on his wisdom, you know, on that night to John Cena, just like Edge is doing for Damian Priest. And then got pointed out by a lot of people that, David Priest is older than The Undertaker was in that photo, which is like, and this is like biker, this is like deep into biker taker. This is like a few years into biker taker, and he's younger than Damian Priest is right now. Yeah. That's bad. That's really, and and that's like, you know, you're saying, you know, I I don't care how old they are, I I don't care whatever, but one thing I will say about that is the lifeblood of this business. And Vince McMahon used to know this. He used to, this used to be his, his adage. He used to get rid of guys when they were 32, 33. Cause he thought that they were done. And he got bit obviously by the NWO and, and, and Hogan uh, having a little bit more, but he was, I mean, in 1992, by the end of 92, he was done with flair. Cause flair was too old. He was done with Hogan. He was done with Savage. He was done with those guys. Cause he thought, Hey, I need the next generation. I need the new guys. I mean, the, the lifeblood of the industry is these new guys. And, and yeah, he got bit in, in, you know, by the NWO, which again, not totally because of Hogan and, and, and Savage. Those guys obviously played a big role, but you know, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall uh, and, and those guys kind of coming up on uh, in the rise too was a big part of it, of course. But you know, Vince McMahon then countered with a bunch of young dudes in The Rock, who was who was ungodly young during his peak. Like if people have no concept of how young The Rock was in 98, 99, 2000 and that sort of stuff or how young even Triple H was at, at, at that time period as he was kind of coming up or even Stone Cold Steve Austin who was still a lot younger than you probably think he was uh, at that point. And, and so Vince used to know that. I mean the lifeblood of the industry used to be new talent, new people coming down the pipeline, new, you know, and so, yeah, guys take care of their bodies better. Yes, you can get more out of guys, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. And just because you can still use Edge until he's 46, and just because you can use, uh, you know, all these wrestlers until they're in their mid to late 40s or whatever, or their 50s or whatever, that's good. That's a nice asset to have, and you can utilize that, but it doesn't mean that your company needs to evolve around those guys. And, and, and the lifeblood of the industry has always been new, young, exciting talent, and, and when you keep just retreading the same guys over and over and over again... It just it, there's no proven track record of it working, and I can point to I don't know the last 15 years of WWE to prove that yeah. Other than you know I guess signing billion dollar TV deals, which we'll talk about uh, here in a minute, like you know ratings wise and, and popularity wise and all that sort of stuff, we can we can point to it not really working. So yeah, I I, I don't think it is a zero. So I don't think it's like oh you can't push older talent, you shouldn't use older talent at all. But I think at the end of the day, it, it, it does reflect poorly that your roster's average age just continues to rise and rise and rise and rise. and that, But guys coming up from NXT are, sti- are, are in their 40s and, and late 30s or whatever. Or that, you know, back-to-back years you had the oldest Royal Rumble and it continues to break its record every single year. And, and you only have two guys under 30 years old and they're fucking Otis. 
and Dominic Mysterio, your only guys under thirty. I mean, that's to me that that is that that is not good. Like it's star star creation, star making, or whatever. Like you 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 still the lifeblood of the industry is young talent, and 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 they have just completely either ignored that or just completely don't give a shit anymore. At least on the men's and, side. And, and Dominic is only there because of nepotism. Yeah, he'd right. never I mean, be yeah, there he's, otherwise. He's and Otis is is obviously a non-entity. I mean, he's just he's useless. He's just a comedy undercard guy. If Jay so, White, if Jay White did a surprise entrance at the Royal Rumble, he'd be the second youngest guy in that entire Royal Rumble. To the guy that doesn't count. Yeah, Dominic. To Dominic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's this guy who's got what two Wrestle Kingdom main events under his belt at this point. He's been a star for three or four years at this point already. Like he'd be the second youngest guy uh, in that Royal Rumble. Bob Backlund was forty three when he debuted or re-debuted. Uh, in the 93 Royal Rumble, there's like eight dudes that are older than him in that Rumble alone. And he was like, <laughs> you know, he was like, oh, my God, look at Bob Belkin for this vestige of the past. Were, like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There were eight guys in this Royal Rumble over 43. Let me let me get the exact number here. But um, yeah, let me see if I can let me see if I can find it. Well, sure, Edge yeah. is one for sure. Edge is one. I believe Christian is one. Oh, Christian for sure is over 43. Yeah. Um, eight seems high. Where's the? Let me look at the list. Um, I know you're just trying to make a point. I'm not trying to shit on. No, you. No, no, no. I'm almost. Oh. Fi- yeah, I think so. Somebody did do the work. Let me let Jeff me try Hardy? to find it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I believe Jeff Hardy is older than that too. Uh, let's see. One, two, <laughs> four, three. How old is Ziggler? Oh, do you know what? Tough might be right there. I no. Well, let's well, put. Let's put Kane. He's a lock. Uh, Ziggler's forty, so Ziggler is is younger. Kane is is a lock. Um, how old's Nakamura? Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Yes, this is great. <laughs> uh, he is forty as well. Hurricane is over forty. Yes, so yeah, there you go. There's five. Um, oh, Lashley. He he's over forty three, right? Oh, I think he is. Yeah, even though he looks like he's like thirty six years old. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, I have no problem with Lashley. Forty four. Lashley's forty four. Yeah, when you look like you're twenty nine, when you're forty four, yeah, you're allowed to, you know. Ray. Ray for sure, yeah. yeah. Um, AJ. Oh, AJ might be right, be right on the, let's see where AJ is. Uh, he's 43. Yeah, there you go. So that's eight, <laughs> that's eight guys. Yeah, there you go. That's eight guys. Yeah. Um, I think that's anyone who was, oh, Morrison. How old's Morrison? I want to say he's like 39, I want to say, but let me, uh, let me at least check how old he is. He's 41. Jesus Christ. All right. Yeah. He's in his 40s. Yeah, you're looking yeah. good for 41, man. These guys, they look, they look good. Well, look, they look listen, good for their listen, age. They look great for their no, age. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't employ these people. I mean, who the fuck wouldn't want Lashley on their roster? You know what I mean? Like I take that guy tomorrow and I push him too. But the, 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 the thing about it is, well, people know what the thing about. We've been going over it for 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 an hour here. It's just, it, it just it spotlights the issue. You know, it's these are guys. Look, the boon to having forty year old guys who who used to be stars who still look good and can still perform should be that they should be putting over all of these guys right, that are thirty. Right, right, right. And you know, and 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 that's that's the bigger picture issue here. So. um you know, not that AJ Styles and Bobby Lashley should hit the bricks. They obviously have value. A lot of value. It's also why they should just hand Paul Heyman the book unfiltered. But I'll keep <laughs> making that point until – because he'd handle it right. I mean, these guys would be, you know, um, you know, we don't need to do that whole hour of audio again, but he would handle it right. 
Which, by the way, no. I, I remember on our Royal Rumble uh, instant reaction, which we did on on Sunday, immediately following the uh, 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 the, the pay per view. Which again, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon. I was to there. Remember how I said that Carlito would not be leaving Tropicana Field without a contract? <laughs> Who's there <Yeah>. on Raw? <laughs> Fucking Carlito. He was there on Raw. I think the reports that he's being given an agent deal was incorrect, but um, there's a possibility he sticks around. By the way, he's 41 and was brought back as a legend, and there were like nine people in this thing older than him. <laughs> I'm saying. Someone in the um, someone in the chat room points out that Sheamus is 43. So there's another one. Oh, man. Okay. There you go. I Again, mean, yeah, it's, I would employ him. Yeah, no, for I, sure. And it's all about it's not it's not the, the the goal of that tweet and the goal of that point that people brought up was not to say, hey, look who's over. For, I mean, that that's that's not important. Like you said, without context, that's nothing. It's just yeah, it's just saying it's just counting up. You know, us. It's the same thing as us on Wikipedia, just listing guys ages. Who cares? It doesn't matter that much. What matters, though, is like you said, in totality, in in context, looking at everything that they've done and, and looking at the way that, that, that they're pushing people and the way that people are being pushed and the people that are main eventing WrestleManias and winning titles and doing all that sort of stuff. That is what it's all about. And that's another reason, uh, reason 7,894, uh, why Twitter is the absolute fucking worst, because people just parachute into this conversation and think that yep. we're just like, yeah, they got 10 guys that are 40 years old. They suck. Like, that's not the point. They suck because they suck. And a byproduct of them sucking is that they have 10 guys over 40 years old. But that's not why they suck. So there you go. Right. It, it, and it's like that thing. It's It would be like adding up the average ages of Tanahashi and Kojima and Tenzan and Nagata and then saying that New Japan has an age problem while ignoring that they've elevated over the last 10 years Okada and Jay White and Naito and all these guys that were from the next gen. It's, there's always context to it. You know, you could easily do that. The average New Japan show probably has the highest average age because – they employ these guys into their 50s. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're not the ones taking up the top spots. Yeah, Manabu Nakanishi isn't winning G1s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. Satoshi Kojima, even though he should win a G1 in Russell, uh, a main event Wrestle Kingdom, they're not going to do that with Satoshi Kojima. And, and, and you know, he's got his role and he's got his, his place or whatever. But, yeah, that it's... Oh, well, they take guys like Kojima and Nagata, who you could push if you wanted to, and then they don't push them. Right. Because they know it's not the right thing to do. So... You know, that weirdo who was pointing out the average age of the Wrestle Kingdom main eventers. I mean, you're just – you can't be any stupider. I don't know how else to put it. Um, you know, it's that Forrest guy who makes those awful YouTube videos. Oh, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes sense that it was like the worst point on earth. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, he makes all – you know, he, he, makes he makes one videos about his terrible points. points. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. long videos about terrible points. So. Um, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> but uh, anyway um, – you know that's that's the 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 lack of impact that Edge is making, and sort of the bigger picture issues that we saw at the Royal Rumble. We have a full Royal Rumble review, the whole show behind the paywall. That was a live instant reaction, so that's going to be on the ten dollar tier. Now we have a lot of new subscribers. Anything that we do live is on the ten dollar tier, um, even for the replays. Anything else, everything else is on the five dollar tier. You get mostly, you get just about everything on the five dollar. But to truly get it all, you got to subscribe on the $10 tier because that's where all the live content and the replays of the live content uh, can be found. So any other big picture thoughts coming out of the Royal Rumble other than all of the juice and uh, and and buzz that they had coming out of it was completely taken away by Dynamite this week? Uh, really not. Yeah, not really. And, and, and it didn't help that I thought Raw didn't really 
set any i don't feel like we're on the road to wrestlemania you know what i mean especially with two additional pay-per-views uh in between rumble and and, and mania no i it's it's hard and it's like right now at this point we we have no clue who's you know going to be the champion we have no clue who's facing who it's 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 kind of this up in the air thing with with, with the you know the wrestlemania right now and and after royal rumble so i don't know i it, it's hard to really get super super excited about anything that company does right now so i mean rumble as we said on the on the on the post show was was like a good show i liked it you liked it but then it came right back to earth this week where it's just like oh yeah they they're just a pile of shit so it's you know whatever who cares we'll just not even spend any time worrying about the day-to-day uh storytelling of that company because it's really not worth it do you think that Shaq and cargill versus cody and red velvet pops a number so the Shaq segments, if I remember correctly, have done well, right? He, the, his, I don't know, but we don't have the quarters from last night. His first appearance did do well, yeah. I kind of feel like it's – I mean, Shaq's a big star. Like, people that don't really know – I mean, he's a big, big deal. And I think they're they're going to plug it on, obviously, inside the NBA and the NBA thing. I think that they're going to – yeah, I, I, I do. I really do think. I, I don't know if it's going to be like an, oh, my God, tremendous one of the – you know, it's not going to be that. It's not going to be Mike Tyson showing up on Raw uh, and, and popping that number, but – it's got to be – I'd imagine it's pretty big. I mean, that's a pretty fun, pretty big thing, and they have put some hype uh, behind it as well. So I, I'd imagine it does well, but I don't I don't know if I could say for sure that it's going to be like this, you know, groundbreaking number. I, I don't think it's going to do that, but I, I, it'll do good. I think it's going to pop a number. Shaq is really – he's shooting angles on inside the NBA now. Yeah, that's huge. That's he, big. Which we knew he was going to do, and that's their – I mean, that's their target demo right there. You know, if, if the inside the NBA crowd – as long as they get the date, I think they're going to turn it on. Even if they turn it on the market and have fun dunking on it on Twitter and stuff, those are still eyeballs. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that linear they won't they won't they'll be real eyeballs, not linear eyeballs. But, um, <laughs> I cannot wait to talk about linear eyeballs in the future. <laughs> God, what a quote! <laughs> so I think I mean I think they'll turn the show off as soon as Shaq is done. I'm sure he'll be the main event though, top of the hour or main event, one or the other. But yeah, I think it'll do a number. I think, I think the NBA fans will be intrigued by this, and I think they'll turn it on, even if even if it's as a gimmick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even if it's just let's get together on Twitter and roast this. I think they're going to turn on. I think it's going to make. I think it's going to do a number. I really do. Well, I think one thing that's interesting, and I, I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, well, you know, why why Jade Cargill in this spot? Why why you know why put it on you know an untrained and uh, somebody that's not ready and all that sort of stuff?" I, I think it's pretty. To me, it's pretty obvious. Is like, look at her. Right? You know what I mean? She has like eye popping feet. I mean, it's just just the entire Jade Cargill thing is eye popping. From the hair to the abs to the body, it's it's like a it's a shot. You know, like it's a shocking thing when you see her. It's like, whoa, my god! Like, what is that? Like, that is that's just an, an incredible thing. Whatever that is. So to me, I th- I think that is going to be. I, I I don't know if it's like she's the reason why people are going to stick around, but I do think instead of putting Shaq in there, which is like you know random roster people, just a bunch of random wrestle. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there is some value to her. And 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 like you actually go back and and, and look, and I don't know if you talked about it in the TV reviews, but she's got like a huge following on Instagram and stuff too. Like she she's a bigger deal outside of the world of wrestling than I think a lot of people think that she is, which is, 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 you know, I know for a lot of our fans, a lot of people that, you know, study wrestling, we kind of live in this little bubble or whatever, but she's a pretty big deal outside of it. And I think she does have like kind of, you know, eye popping features and, and reels. So I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see if, you know, how many people, you know, tune in and instead of dunking on Chris Jericho being fat instead go, holy shit, look at her. Like, you know what I mean? I think that there, there is a benefit and there's a reason they're choosing her over, you know, any other number of people they could put on the roster. I think it's obvious why they picked her. They're trying to make a star. Yeah. 
She's going to pin Red Velvet. That's the finish. I mean, it's the finish I would book anyway. You know, so, I, you know, this isn't about Shaq. This is about Shaq making sure that you show up and see Jade Cargill. Exactly. That's right, right, right. It's, it, what's so funny is, like, again, people, and, and we, we talk about this a lot with AEW. This is kind of not, you know, this is a little off course, but it's, it, I think it's still pretty interesting to, to discuss is the thing. And then this is what star creation looks like. And this is why AEW is, is, is you're going to take some risks. Sometimes you're just going to say, you know what? We don't know what this person, this guy, this girl, this whatever is going to do. We don't know if it's going to work, but God damn it. We're going to try it. So we're going to put her in a big spot. We're going to put him in a big spot and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. And that's what star creation is. Maybe somebody tune a bunch of people from inside the NBA tune in and they say, "Hey, Jade Cargill," and they say, and and AEW would be smart to also point out that she was, you know, an ex, uh, and uh, I think she was a, I don't know if she was a WNBA player or just played college ball, but like she's an ex basketball player, and that's kind of the connection that you know the, the Shaq connection has as well. So yeah, hit that over the head and just see what happens, and and like. If it bombs and nobody cares and nobody and, and she does terrible or whatever, then okay, you tried, it didn't work, you gave it an effort, but maybe it does. You got to take those risks though, and and you know using Shaq to get eyeballs on Jake. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like so many people don't get it and don't understand. Well, what, why her? You know, she's not ready for the spot. You can't. Don't just put somebody that's just kind of a mid level middling. You know, if you think that you got something in Jake Cargo, you think that she's going to be a star. You think that she's you know then yeah, go for it. Take a risk. Find out if she's got it. You know, and you don't have to ask her to do too much. You just got to go out there and say, hey, get eyeballs and make people say, whoa, hold on. What is this? Who is this? I want to learn more. I want to watch more. And that's, you know, that that is where the value is. So to me, it's a no brainer. But yeah, I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, she's not ready for the spot. They should put, you know, insert random AEW women's roster member here. And it's like, no, nobody. What does that do? That does nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Make a star here. Yeah, she she trained with A.R. Fox and. um Heath Heath Slater school and then and now obviously she's in the Nightmare Factory. So she's been in some pretty good places working with some pretty good trainers. I don't look, I don't know if it's gonna work with her. I could see what they see. I can definitely see why they think they have something, a fresh new st- potential star. I mean it's obvious, you laid it out. Look at her. She she jumps off the page. So you know, Obviously, she's working closely with these people at the Nightmare Factory, and they're keeping a close eye on her, and they're confident enough to think that she can go in in this in what really this is a huge match for her, you know. So, and and she'll be in there with Red Velvet, and it, and if it hadn't been Red Velvet, if Brandy hadn't gotten pregnant, you have to assume it would have been Brandy, you know, not exactly putting her in there with Thunder Rosa. Or Serena Deeb, or you know, that's a tough spot, right? Because you're not exactly in there with Sasha Banks. You're in there with Red Velvet, so um, they must be fairly confident that she's going to deliver. She obviously has the confidence. I mean, that just oozes from her. Um, you know, they gave her a live mic for her first ever television appearance and sent her out there to duel with Cody on live TV. I mean, that's bold. So. They believe in her. I just think it's interesting. I think when I saw Shaq doing angles on Inside the NBA and beating up the plexiglass and all that, he's into it. And I do think that it that that show in that quarter in particular will pop a number. Yeah, I do think it will. 
And, 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 you know, we've talked about this before with, um, you know, with AEW, and I think one thing that they've done pretty cool and, and pretty interesting is is they're pushing people that maybe aren't complete packages in the ring yet and are just saying, look, do they have confidence? Can they talk? Do they have presence? Do they look the part? Cool. We'll do all that. We'll, we'll, we'll again, the classic, I can't, it, it's so funny that it's been attributed to Paul Heyman, even though it's just like how everybody should do any business is accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. Okay, instead yeah. of saying, well, Jade Cargill can't, you know, go in there and work with Thunder Rosa, and we're not going to, you know, because an- another company would put her in there with a 20-minute match of Thunder Rosa and go, ah, she doesn't have it, she can't really work, or whatever, and then just do nothing with her. <laughs> you know what I mean? And instead of, you know, saying, hey, look, okay, we don't know what we have in her. And this is this doesn't just apply to Jade Cargill. I think they've done it with, you know, Will Hobbs or Powerhouse Hobbs or whatever, and a bunch of other guys, Max Caster, those guys, that entire crew. You know, in terms of, okay, what do these guys bring to the table? What do these guys have? What do these girls have? What are their positives? Cool. Let's go with that, and let's see what we can do with that, and we'll we'll hide the negatives. You know, does she have confidence? Yes. Does she look like a million bucks? Yes. Does she jump off the page? Yes. Can she work, and can she wrestle? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll put her in there with, you know, and, and have her do minimal things. We'll see what happens. But that is, you know, again, that is a pro wrestling thing that used to be the way it was. It used to just be, hey, this guy jumps off the page, or this guy does, and we'll, we'll let the work you know, work itself out eventually, but there's no reason to, 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 to not push these people that look, you know, just like jump off the page and really catch your eyeballs. And, 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 and yeah, they've done that uh, so far, I think pretty well, uh, with, with, you know, and, and, will, and will the charisma disappear when the bell rings? Cause that's a real thing too. Sure. Oh yeah. Like, like we, we just talked about Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley. The charisma does not disappear when the bell rings. You could argue it, it enhances because yeah, they're they're good wrestlers and they're good athletes and they work to their character and all those sorts of things and the charisma continues to explode off the screen when the bell rings um but you've seen wrestlers who look the part the bell rings and all that confidence disappears and as a result a lack of confidence always shines through to the viewer we talk about this all the time so we don't know if she's a confident wrestler. We know that she's a confident personality and no fear on the mic, even if some of those early promos were a little shaky. But we don't know if she's a confident bell-to-bell performer. And that can sink or swim. That You know, you sink or swim in that once that bell rings. Because people see right through you if you don't have confidence mm-hmm. in that ring. And I know I talk about her all the time behind the paywall. And it's kind of become like a meme that we do on, on the show, but I think that's what's holding Layla Hirsch back. She has no confidence when the bell rings. Her body language, the way she carries herself, and it's why I do not see what anybody else sees in Layla Hirsch. I wouldn't even put her on. I, I'm shocked that they put her on TV because she looks minor league, and a lot of it is her lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. Well, and she doesn't know how to carry herself, and she she's and 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 I think that's a a, a big problem. So you know, those are my two extremes. Is Jade Cargill going to be a Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, or is she going to be a Layla Hirsch? And she's so early in her career that it could really go either way. Right, right. And it it speaks to something that anybody who's ever been around anybody that ever trained wrestlers or or guys that were wrestlers or, 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 you know, anything, you know, any any of of that level of pro wrestling is – you know, don't go out there and play pro wrestler. That's what every trainer will tell every person is don't go out there and play pro wrestler. Be a pro wrestler. Be confident. Go out there. Feel like feel in the be in the moment. You know, act like you're, you're a million bucks. You know, make people believe. Don't just go out there and, and pretend like you're a pro wrestler or play pro wrestler is the term that gets you know passed around uh, even a lot yeah. more. And that is a big it's a big factor in a lot of, 
you, you know, go, the guys that don't make it, or the guys and girls that don't make it are those that, that, yeah, when the light turns on and the bell rings, they're playing for wrestler and they're not just themselves or, or, or whatever their character is. And, and yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah. All right. So that was our extended Jade Cargill. That was of course on the run sheet is spend 45 minutes talking about Jade Cargill. Um, we're we're gonna we're gonna shut. We'll talk about WBQ four stuff at the end. I don't really want to talk about it right now. I think we have some other fun things uh, to talk about. So we'll we'll put that towards the end. I think that really you know I don't want to derail things by just reading a bunch of numbers from a press release. Uh, so we'll do that towards the end when we have some time. But uh, I did want to touch on. We'll move into the world of New Japan uh, here a little bit. We talked about Kenta, New Japan, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, hyped up since Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, properly victory lap here for the Super Jcast guys, uh, uh, Joel and Damon, who. That day uh, of Wrestle Kingdom, the night one, uh, saw the New Japan uh, TV deal tease and said, ah, purple, white, eh, kind of feels like Roku. Or that, you know, their pick was ah, something with Roku, maybe. And everybody was kind of wondering, okay, who's it, you know, what's it, where's it going to go? Where are they going to go? Yada, yada, yada. Well, anyway, uh, New Japan announces uh, after basically a month of hype that uh, their new TV deal, their American TV deal, is on the Roku channel. They're going to present a weekly one-hour program at 5 p.m. on Thursdays. Uh, the one-hour block will be available to watch in America, Canada, and the United Kingdom. Uh, starts on February 11th. And uh, the Roku channel will also have uh, a bunch of library content uh, from New Japan Pro Wrestling. So a month of hype, new TV deal. What do you make of New Japan Pro Wrestling on the Roku channel, which I discovered Why? existed oh. today? So that's... Yeah, I was just going to say, I didn't know that it even existed. <laughs> Things I learned. There is a Roku channel called the Roku channel. So, I mean, you can't call it a negative, cause, but I don't think it's any kind of positive either. Because, okay, so it's an hour of, what is it? A one-hour show, 5 p.m. on Thursdays. Existing New Japan fans are never going to watch. They're going to watch the first one and then never watch it again because – if you have New Japan World, you're a big New Japan fan, you have New Japan World, and you're watching all the shows either live or the next day, you're not going to watch those matches. It's like the same reason I didn't watch the Axis show, because I saw all the matches already. But the difference between this and the Axis deal, the Axis deal was far superior because you can get a hundred to 200,000 new eyeballs on the product through the Axis deal because it's on a lot of people's cable systems. No one even knows what the Roku channel is. Like... First of all, you have to have a Roku, I think. So you can, can you... watch. You can watch it online, I guess. But yeah, ideally, you have a Roku. So you have a Roku TV or How a Roku many new device. Fans is this making? Let's be honest. I mean, is right. this making a lot of new fans? No, I, I can't see that at all. No, and, it, it's it, it's definitely like. And, and the problem, you know, we had uh, a few people say, "Oh no, no, no! I know about the Roku channel. Like I, when I when I sign in on Roku on my TV, uh, it promotes the Roku channel every time." And it's like, okay, well, how many times did you click that and watch it? And they're like. Oh, I mean, never, but like, you know, because like, yeah. I'm just going to go watch Netflix or I'm going to go watch, you know, Hulu. I'm going to go watch these other things. And and this is, we talked about it a lot last week with, you know, the Peacock uh, deal with WWE. We were entering, again, like you said, the streaming, you know, 2.0, the, the next level of streaming, the next sort of wave of, of these streaming things. And stuff like this, like the Roku channel, <laughs> there's, I mean, there's so, I mean, dude, like you go on your app and, and all these things are built into my my cable box as well and it's like fucking you got crackle and tubi and voodoo and and even pluto tv which i actually enjoy uh in in some ways you know the pluto tv which actually just got a pro wrestling channel uh as well but like there's like nine of these just like content puking like just a random assortment of things on your streaming service that's like 
I mean, discovery is going to be so hard on that. And you can you can tout ninety nine million people have the Roku channel. Yeah, because everybody that has a Roku has the Roku channel. But that does how many people are signing on their Roku and saying, ah, the Roku channel. Here we go. Like I I know obviously the the goal is to make more people go there. It's similar to the Peacock deal where we're seeing them going all in on, on, on Peacock and, and hoping that, yeah, we have a bunch of people that have Peacock installed, but now we want those people to start watching Peacock. Yeah, there's a possibility that like you add more content and people start watching it and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, this is – it's really not it, – it's a, it's a foot in the door, I guess, to American quote-unquote TV, but it, it, it's definitely not something I would have hyped up for a month as an American TV deal. I, you, you know, I think they, they set their expectations pretty high for this one, and, and, and I don't think they delivered on it. I think Axis legitimately helped make fans. I don't think this will help make no. fans. No, 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 not at all. I think that their best bet is to continue to stay on the phone with Tony Khan and get the stars of New Japan Pro Wrestling on on AEW Dynamite on TNT. That's still their best bet. Um, you know, until they get a legitimate television deal. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see this as impactful at all. But again, you can't really call it a negative. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. The more places you can get your product, the better. I just don't see it as having any kind of impact. So um, I don't really have a ton more to add. I mean, no, I didn't know what it it's existed. it's fine. I mean, it's cool. that yeah, the, the only thing I would say is do not hype this up for a month. I think that they set themselves up yeah. for a lot of people to go, oh, really? That's it? Like, this is something that you just say, hey, New Japan, we're on, we're on the Roku channel now. And you just, I mean, because then it's, 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 positive. hey, cool. All right, sweet. You guys are on the Roku channel. Yeah, you're right. I think the perception is a lot different if they just come out. On January 4th, yeah. they say, hey, New Japan is going to be on the Roku channel and it's available for free in America, Canada, and the UK. And, okay, there you go. That's all you have to say then is, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, sweet. Another way to watch New Japan. Cool. I don't use the Roku channel, but maybe I will at some point. But to tout for a month, we got big news on the horizon. Big news is coming. We're announcing a TV deal. And then it's yeah, it's the Roku channel. And you know, I don't know. I mean, again, I, maybe, you know, maybe we're wrong and the Roku channel becomes a big thing. But, like, I, everyone's doing this right now. And I think the streaming wars that we're entering right now is is a lot of weird and, and, and potentially bad money decisions being made to really bolster and, and really get these, you know, streaming platforms you know more eyeballs and more content more of that sort of stuff but like i don't know at the end of the day i think the powerhouses are going to be the powerhouses and the nine or ten other you know services that are out there are just they're, they're just gonna you know die in in the wake of you know netflix and and, and even well i mean even hulu i don't even think at, at this point is even that relevant anymore peacock uh, obviously with the, the money that they're putting in here but like yeah i don't know voodoo and Tubi and roku and crackle and fucking all yeah. these i mean come on i mean who cares film rise and all this bullshit that is on your streaming platform that you're like what the hell is this who watches this the answer is not many people gonna, <laughs> no but yeah they're all just either going to be folded into the bigger services or they're going to disappear and that that's how this is all going to play out um for what you know the quote-unquote phase two of the streaming wars but um yeah, the fact that they announced it, you make a good point because it would have been the perception would have been completely different if they just came out with it out of nowhere. Because they had people thinking with like a lot of people with the purple, because that's the Roku color and was one of the tip offs. But a lot of people were thinking BN, which airs MLW, which also has like purple branding. This was a disappointment compared to BN, and BN would have been a disappointment. So it's like this was like a double disappointment. You didn't even get on the the slightly less disappointing speculated outlet. You know what I mean? It's like this is a you know, BN seems like it would be 
way better than this. And BN's not even a great place to be. So, um, I don't know. I, I really don't have anything else to add. I, I probably won't even ever think about this again. I mean, I'll watch the debut and see what it's like and probably never watch because it's just going to be old matches. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, people do, do forget as well when the Access deal first started, there was the benefit of, holy shit, they're going to, you know, it's going to be English commentary. And, <laughs> like, you know, that wasn't on New Japan World at the time. It wasn't a regular thing. So you were watching. And, and what was kind of cool about the original uh, New Japan on Access is that they were doing matches from, like, six months ago. So it was like, ah, shit. Like, you know, let's let's see what JR and, and Josh Barnett can, can do here for... And, Morrow. And, or Morrow. Oh, my God. I forgot Morrow was the first one. You're right. Jesus Christ. We forgot Morrow was in there. Well, that was even more of a reason to watch it because Morrow was, uh, was good at that time. But, uh, no, it was like... Oh, that match is from six or seven months ago. That's kind of cool. And to me, that was sort of the appeal of like, ah, you know what? I haven't watched this Ishii, you know, Goto G1 match in, in quite some time. Let me see if it's still good. And, you know, and then you'd watch it with the English commentary. But yeah, if, if it's going to like coincide with what's going on currently in New Japan, like for, you know, fans that, that follow the company like this, I mean, I don't know why you would ever watch this. And I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I maybe we're wrong. Maybe there are people out there, but it, it it's just... I don't think it has the penetration that that an Access TV had. I, I don't think it's anywhere near. And, and, and in comparing the two and thinking the two are on equal playing fields, because 99 million people have the Roku channel or whatever, uh, I, I, I think it's just being, you know, you're just buying into press release bullshit. That, you know. Well, the other advantage to Access was not only, it was that it would air after MMA, and there was obvious crossover there. And MMA fans are, you know, going to be more apt to enjoy New Japan's version of pro wrestling than, you know, Impact or WWE's version of pro wrestling. So that was, it was a great place to be because of the other programming on the channel. And that's why it helped make, you know, plus having Josh Barnett as the commentator, again, attracting the attention of MMA fans right off the bat. Um, so that's why it <laughs> well, was well, such a better Joe, I'm going to say, not, not to interrupt here, but you go to the Roku channel.roku.com and, and, and they yes. taught what their featured programs are. We got the nanny, baby. Two seasons of the nanny. Fran Drescher out there right in the open. So, Yeah. Well, I don't know how much <laughs> crossover there is between Fran Drescher and uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, but I'm guessing not much. But, yeah, this is a non – I don't know. It, it's not a negative, but I don't see it as – I see it as a complete neutral. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to create new fans. I think it's just a holding pattern kind of – and 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 – you know, it, it just speaks to there must just be nothing out there for them in terms of a real television deal if uh, if this is where they ultimately landed, which is a shame. What about that? I heard they were talking to Axis. I heard they were talking to Anthem again. So maybe something can. And now with Impact and AEW in New Japan, you know, all kind of working, you know, with AEW working with both of them, maybe that stance gets softened a little. Um, you know, maybe Anthem does see it because Anthem would be familiar with how many people were watching because mm-hmm. it was airing. It was airing on Axis while Anthem owned it for a short period. They canceled it. So they know how many people were watching it. And it's comparable to the numbers Impact is doing. And Impact is doing good numbers for, you know, within relatively speaking to to Axis TV. So it would be great you know, programming to put on Tuesday nights after impact or before impact or whatever, you know, to have a wrestling block like they used to have with wow and everything. So honestly, that's their best realistic landing spot 
is just ending up back on axis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was good for them, and I think it would be good for them now with with Impact being there and everything. So, I mean, I you know, if that's true, that those two sides are willing to talk to each other again, um, my hope would be it, it, it's that's where they land because I. Not going to land on any kind of major no no cable no, no, no. network or anything. I thought BN was realistic because it's BN. Right, <laughs> BN, right, right, right. Which would be a step down from Axis. You're, you're absolutely right, though. That like if they announced BN, people would be like, ah, and this is like worse than yeah. BN, which is, is pretty yeah. And 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 again, I just want to point this out too. I mean, I, I know that people think that we're like old assholes and grandpas because we're like, ah, you got to be on TV or whatever. You can miss me with your 99 million install base and all that sort of shit. Anybody with a brain, anybody that knows the business of, of television and stuff knows that being on actual TV, tangible TV on cable, you can tell me all about the 18 year olds that don't watch cable anymore and cut the cords and all that sort of, it still matters way more than being on some fucking service that nobody ever uses. So it's like, Again, I know that we're ancient by saying that, and people could say, "Well, the Roku has 99 million install base. Like that, that's so many new eyeballs they can get." Point oh 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 one percent of people log into the fucking Roku channel, so don't. No one's watching the Roku right. channel. We didn't even know what it was. Peacock I mean, has 67 million people. Okay, yeah, cool, because like it's on everyone's cable box and it's built in their TVs, but nobody signs into it. Like, listen, I, Rich, I've got 19 Fire Sticks in my house, and I have every streaming service known to man installed on every one of them. And I didn't know what the Roku channel was. No, I know. know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sitting here watching the History Channel every night. I'm on these things. I I, I live on these things. You know, so uh, you know, I have every service known to man. The sh- you know what our strategy is in this house when it comes to the streaming services? Fuck it, just buy them all, and then we'll just have everything. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, buy the That's cable, the sh- buy yeah. all the streaming services. I'm gonna need because there's gonna be one thing you're gonna want to watch on one of these dumbass things one of these times. So you're like, whatever. Yeah, sure, whatever. Just exactly it's just easier like i already pay like 200 dollars a month for direct tv and then i i I pay for every streaming service on earth because i'm just like just fuck it i I don't want to deal with figuring out which one has the stuff i want if i have all of them then if there's something i'm interested in i know i have it that's my vice that's the shit that i pay for i don't drink i don't go on trips (laughs) i just i own every piece of media available to me like that's just one of my you know what i mean like because to me it's just easier to do that like pre-streaming with my direct TV, I would just tell them on the phone, give me every channel. I don't care what it costs because I don't want to deal with picking through your – because they try to offer you the different packages. And, right, right. Do you want Sports Plus or Sports Plus Plus? You're like, whatever, dude. Just give me everything. I don't care. Yeah, and I would just stop them and say, give me everything. Oh, sir, that's going to co- – I don't care. I just want to be off the phone, and I want to know that if I put a channel on – I'm not going to get the screen that says, please call customer service. This channel is not available to right, you. Right. I, make sure that I never get that screen and then we can end <laughs> our conversation, sir. That's all I want to hear from you. So, I mean, it, it's not that I'm not aware of this stuff. It's that I wasn't aware of this thing, which apparently a lot of people weren't aware of, the Roku channel. I don't own a Roku. Someone said you can download the Roku channel on a different set-top box. <laughs> I'm going to check later. I don't know if that's even true. Why would the Roku channel be available on Fire Stick? That doesn't make sense. If I'm Roku and I have my own channel, 
wouldn't I want to keep that exclusive? None of this shit makes any sense anymore. Well, it's all like, it's a lot of these, and, and and the new kind of thing now is a lot of these are they're free to watch, like Tubi and 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 Pluto. And, yeah, and so, yeah, it's free to watch, and then it's just fucking chock full of ads. You know what I mean? It's just, just commercials filled. every seventeen seconds. Yeah, it's it's the it's the worst. But what I'm saying is, if I'm Roku and I have something called the Roku Channel, and I'm acquiring the the nanny library and New Japan Pro Wrestling and whatever the fuck else is on there, wouldn't I try to use the Roku channel to sell Rokus and not make it available to people who have a fucking uh, an Android box or a Fire Stick? Or am I not? Doesn't that make sense? Why would they make that available on other? Oh, yeah, I think I, honestly, I think you could just like literally sign in on your computer and, and and watch it, like or install it to your desktop. So it's all just ad buy. It's all trying to get you know x amount yeah, of people watching yeah. for x amount of ads or whatever. Which That's is- a good point. It's more advantageous to them to be able to say that 11 billion people have the Roku channel, right? Even though none of them are watching. Exactly. Right. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. So you just all right. Well, you just explained it to me. Good job out of you. That's why it's probably on the do, fire stick. Do you have uh, do you have CBS All Access? I see ads for that. I'm like, who's paying for CBS All Access? Like, uh, I don't know. I might. I might. Have <laughs> you might. That that's one that I think even you don't have. There, there's well, a no lot way. of them. Some of these. Some of these. If you're already paying for Directv, you get a lot of them. For right, free. and that's that's what's kind of actually been hilarious <laughs> over the last you know year is. Me, you know, the asshole that plays for cable, I'm, I'm just getting all these for free now. You know what I mean? Like, they just give me premium yeah. Peacock. Because they're like, all right, dummy, you pay us $250 a month or whatever. So we'll just give you Peacock for free. You know, we'll just give you all this shit for free. So I'm ending yeah. up fine. Like, this WWE Network transition is going to work out perfect for me because I get that for free. I already pay for cable. And, and, and yeah. At the end of the day, you and I, Joe, the, the old men who still, you know, write those checks or pay those online bills for $200 for cable are going to end up... uh uh, Coming out ahead. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. going to have, well, you're, someone's going to have to have the NHL network, NASCAR network, the, you know, are you have to pay X amount for Peacock Plus, which has got, plus, uh, you know, Peacock, you know, premium that's got sports content on that. And you're going to have these 19 different things and they're going to add up to $250. And you're going to say, ah, geez, I just wish I had cable. <laughs> you know, I wish I could just sit on my couch and turn on my cable and it's all there for me anyway. So, yeah, it has all come full circle. It has all come full circle. You're going to have a choice of whoever shakes out and wins this version of the streaming wars you'll have a choice between five of them but they're all gonna end up costing you that at the end of the day when you're paying for all this shit it's like i have this conversation every six months with my wife we're like well if we drop showtime and hbo from the direct tv we could save x amount but then we realize oh but then we have to pay for hbo max and right. we have to pay for showtime unlimited and we have to pay for for all oh, I about max. The- yeah you're right because I, I i watch max a bunch and it's just because i i pay them ten dollars a month for hbo so they said yeah sure here take this Right. So it all all these things are free because you're already paying for them on the cable package. So that's why I just say just pay for I just pay for everything and fucking whatever it doesn't come with I didn't buy that too because I just you know it also helps I still have I still have a Hulu password from uh, from two girlfriends. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. she, I've talked about this before. She still hasn't changed that Hulu password and I'm still using it. So there's no and chance she, that she ever logs in, right? No, she does because I could see what she's watching. Damn, like, so she can see what you're watching and doesn't think that, geez, I should. Well, here's what I think it is. I think she knows I'm on there, but I think she's on my Netflix. Oh, a little power play there. Yeah. So I think we're like, if nobody <laughs> blinks, you see what I mean? It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, you guys are in an old fashioned Western duel here. Both got yeah, your hands on like, the revolver, but no one's quite sure who's going to fire that first shot. So. But neither one of us want to say anything because then yeah. we both have to pay for both. So it's well, kind that's of a good symbiotic relationship. Out. You know, that's not bad. That's good. Yeah. 
And like, I, I don't, I haven't spoken her in years, obviously. I just, but I know that fucking Hulu password. <laughs> she got be irritating her... though. Do, do you ever troll her and just like, if she's watching something, you just watch like four episodes of it? Well, no, here's the, that's the thing. Like every time I think, hmm, should I set up a new profile or is that too bold? Do you know what I mean? That's like, a little, I... yeah, that's bold. I would, I would stay away from there. I, I, the, the thing that you guys have going now has worked for a while. I yeah. wouldn't start. Yeah, the, the new password feels like you're really like that. You're really camped in. You know what I mean? You're really here for the long haul. Yet, even though you are here for the long haul, that puts it in a different level. That's the you know girl that you're dating that starts you know bringing some clothes over to the house and, and putting them in a drawer, and you're like, wait, hold on, what's going on here? Like, yeah, yeah. Because on my Netflix, every now and then, like something will pop up that like three episodes of whatever has been watched. And I'm like, I don't watch that shit, and I know it's her. And like, what's funny too is I've seen other like her other relationships end because the other profiles keep changing. Like it used to say Brian. <laughs> Brian. Now it says like Phil, you know? So she's like going through relationships and new people are replacing the old people on the other profiles. Like it's her, her sister, and then the revolving profile of boyfriends. <laughs> dude. <laughs> dude. Yeah. Dude X. <laughs> right. Right now I think the it's The guy Bri- she's fucking this month. So that's a, Yeah, like uh, it's yeah. Brian now. I'm like, oh, Brian, Brian, he's a new guy. See, now okay. what you got to do is go in there and troll Brian is what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's – I always use with like the third one. I don't like use hers. I use like the third one because I figure that's the one where I'm least likely to get caught. You know, but I know she knows. Like that's the thing. Like I don't. It's a, it's a weird, like unspoken. Let's just not say anything. You know, because it, it's working it's out. It's work. For yeah, it's good. So yeah, I'd, I'd stick with that. Yeah, but Hulu, all the Hulu, all the good Hulu content's gonna end up on Peacock anyway. Right. When exactly. all the contracts run out and all the NBC shit ends up on Peacock, because Hulu is like NBC and it has a lot of HBO content. Mm-hmm. They're gonna it's lose. Got a lot of, it's got a lot of Fox too, and the Fox stuff's gonna all go to Disney Plus eventually. You know, over time and and, and yeah. Yeah. So Hulu's in trouble because the HBO stuff's gonna go to Max. The NBC stuff's gonna go to Peacock. They're just waiting out the clock on these deals. Right. As long like, as they have Seinfeld, that's basically their lifeblood at this point. But the second Seinfeld goes away and goes to Peacock, they're fucked and and done. So. Didn't Friends just jump from Netflix to Peacock or something? Uh, maybe I don't know. When the deal I, ran I lose track of these things. Who knows? Yeah. So like, um, I know the Office. The Office did the the, the Netflix to Peacock jump. I, I don't know. That might Friends. be what I'm thinking of. I don't know where that Friends is at now. So yeah, Friends is on one. Like Friends you said, chasing the shit is so annoying. Just buy it all. I think Friends is on buy HBO Max actually, if I remember correctly. But You're, you might be right about that. It's just buy it all, and then <laughs> and then HBO like Disney Plus has the Marvel portal where you can go in and watch all the Marvel shit. HBO Max has the DC portal where you can go in and watch all the DC shit. And Peacock is going to have the WWE Network portal where you go in and watch. So they're all just folding into each other. You know, it, it's just, uh, you know, Marvel, DC, and WWE just throw their hands and say, give us a fixed cost. Just give us a fixed cost. <laughs> right, give us a bag of money it. and here you go. Here's the content. We don't want to be involved in this anymore. So. Right. And it's going to get, I mean, that, and that's, uh, we talked about it last week, and anybody that didn't, you know, listen to that up, tremendous audio, us, you know, talking about the Peacock deal yeah. last. I mean, that was Great WWE audience. just saying, Great. look, get us out of this fucking business. We don't understand it. We're not good at it. We're obviously failing at it. If you want to give us a, a, a truck full of money, we'll take it. Thanks. Bye. And that's exactly what they did. And it, it, a great deal for them. Uh, it, it, you know, especially given how much, how even more confusing this shit's going to get over the next few years is them just getting out of this business and just saying, you know what? Give us a bag of money. We'll give you the content. We're out. 
bye. <laughs> you know, we're going to go do our thing. You go do whatever you want with our content. So, uh, you know, smart idea by them just to get out of this because it's going to get even more confusing. And, and really, any of the small ones are going to get, as you said, just absolutely crushed by these big dogs here, you, you know, in terms of Fox, NBC, ABC, you know, CBS, really. The, the major networks are going to be the ones kind of holding. And, and then, obviously, you had Netflix in there uh, as well. But, yeah, it, it's it's not going to be... It's not going to be good for the fragmented little companies that are trying to do their own little thing. Just you're, you're going to have to team up with one of the big dogs or, or, or die, basically. So, yeah, yeah, that's how it's going to play out. Yep. All right. So let's. And what uh, we've learned is. Oh, sorry. Uh, I know we can't get off of this, but what we've learned is WWE isn't a big enough dog. That's no. what we've learned. No, they cannot convert in relation uh, to wrestling any amount of their their, uh, their viewers into paying uh, customers. So because if they if WWE Network was a success, they would be the ones folding things into them think of it that way oh for sure yeah, yeah. all right besides let's... progress and wxw <laughs> right <laughs> and then they random evolve, evolve they folded you know what they folded into them part of wwn live that's what they folded into them <laughs> not even the whole thing like they got some of wwn live like not even not fip even... not even fip just couldn't... part of <laughs> that's right couldn't get shine just part of wwn live that's that's <laughs> It still failure. exists. They still run shows. W- I know. I can't life. believe it. I can't believe it. Fucking Sal, Sal. Hawaii. Fucking Sal. <laughs> Out here running shows. Still owes us a, a, a pretty... Uh, a lot of money. A pretty yeah, pretty penny here and there. So so much money. So much money he owes us. Um, I'd imagine we're been. not the only people that are debtors to Sal. But, um... No. No. But you could you could subscribe to WWN Live, right? <laughs> Which is the best part about that. Remember when they were like, oh, you'll get this shit forever, you know? Because, like, mm-hmm. I was kind of pissed because I, I, I had a bunch of purchases. I had a lot of shows. A lot they're of all shows. gone now. Like, and trust fuck. me, none of them were shine. <laughs> right. No. they. Uh, yeah. yeah. I had a the lot of DGUSAs that I'm never going to be able to uh, ever watch again, unfortunately. But. And I can't watch them because they won't upload them on the network. They Instead, we get best of Adam Cole in Evolve. <laughs> and he had, like, three <laughs> matches ever. Like, that's what we get instead. You know, I love the progress best ofs with like Adam Cole advertising, and he's had like one match in, in progress ever. That, that's the content we yeah, get. When you think it, of progress, you think of, of Adam Cole, of course. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Johnny Gargano, progress uh, legend. But um, I, I thought at least we'd be getting full shows of these of, of these companies, and they're not doing that. Um. Which is fr- well, I unfortunately said- have to take the victory lap on that because I, I basically assume that they would just fold these into best ofs or use them for for uh, documentaries yeah. and unfortunately even to more of a degree than I even thought they're using them just for that and then the best the the, the biggest dick tease is like randomly throwing a dartboard and just uploading uh, I don't know evolve one twenty two and it's like you know okay, what well, what <laughs> like why <laughs> no I've been paying attention to that it's not even a dartboard do you know what it is the evolve shows they are uploading in full are the ones from the WWE era. The ones with Jesse Kamai and and fucking Babatunde. The ones that just happened like last year are the ones that they're uploading. Not any of the ones that anybody wants to watch. That's like an even bigger dick tease. Like here, watch this show with Harlem Bravado versus Babatunde. <laughs> that... You may have watched already. Like if you were an Evolve fan, you watched it like eight months ago. But here, Right, like, right, right. These are the ones we're going to give you, you know. Um, so it, that's even worse. Than, <laughs> yeah. I wish, I wish they were throwing a dart, bo- a dart at a board and uploading something with like I don't know Akira Tozawa on it. They could do that. Tozawa's their boy, you know. Give us some something from fucking 2015. 
but they're not doing that. It's very frustrating. It's all from like 2020. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. All right, let's uh we'll, we'll get we'll we'll talk to WQ, uh, financials here in a bit, but I do want to touch on uh, New Japan. We, we were talking about New Japan, obviously the, the new deal with the Roku. Uh, channel, but uh, also the New Beginning shows. We had a list last past weekend, New Beginning in Nagoya. Uh, we'll talk about that show. Also, New Beginning in Hiroshima. Two ones coming up here February 10th uh, and February 11th. So we'll do a quick little previews of those because they're coming up this weekend, even though uh, eh, they're not very good looking shows on paper. But uh, New Beginning in Nagoya, Joe. Three matches that I, I at least saw on the show. I skipped the first two matches. I, I Did you watch all of uh, New Beginning in Nagoya? There was nothing. They're not even worth discussing. I heard they from everybody. Didn't... I heard everybody say, "Don't even bother. Don't even bother." Because I watched it. Th- I was ready the next morning after you know while we were watching Fight Forever, uh, and saying, "Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to watch." It. And everyone just said, just "Don't, don't even watch the first two matches at all. Don't even give them a second of your time." So I only watched Great Okan, uh, Tenzan, and then, uh, Will and, and Kojima, and then the main event. So let's let's start with the main event though. 
I think that's the one I, I want to talk about at the top. Never open weight title. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeating Shingo Takagi uh, to win the Never Open Weight Championship. Uh, about 35 minutes, I think the match went. I think it was the longest never match of, in, in history. Uh, fucking great. Fucking great. I saw a lot of people go five stars, and I wasn't quite there. Uh, just under. I'm like four and a half, four and a quarter. I'm st- or four and three quarters. I'm, I'm right there. But goddamn, the work in this match was just incredible. I mean, Shingo selling his knee. Tanahashi taking the big risks. Tanahashi going out there and just working his ass off. And Shingo being Shingo. And you, you listen to this show, and you know what we say. Uh, about Shingo, we, we will scream it until the day he retires that that guy should be the biggest, you know, <laughs> biggest push commodity, the biggest star in this company because it just it, it, it's it's just awesome what he can do and he's so good and this is an awesome opportunity for him to get in this main event and just kick ass and Tanahashi turns back the clock here uh, in this match. I mean, what do you think of this one? I thought this was just absolutely tremendous work from both guys. That was great. I mean, everyone knows how great Tanahashi is, and it's kind of like. I don't even waste my time yeah, talking okay, about Tanahashi. Now at this point, <laughs> being great. It's like, whatever, you know, yeah. I mean, maybe we should, though. Is he top 10 all-time greatest wrestler to ever walk the earth? Is top 10. I mean, he's he's absolutely getting into that mix. He, I mean, he has to. I mean, you look at the track record, and you look at the trajectory, and you go back, and if you really were, like, you know, even if you were watching at the time, which very few were, or if you've gone back with New Japan World and watched, I mean, this guy from 2003, 2004 – Till fucking today has been great. It's not like this guy just got good in 2011 or, you know, just started or, or we're slowing down over. I mean, this guy has been good from that point, you know, from 2002, 2003, 2004 until today. And then you can point to at least a match every single year that just is is exceptional. And then during some time, some peak periods, like seven or eight matches that were just exceptional. I mean, yeah, you got he's got to be in the mix. And then every year that he does it again, and now he's already done it in 2021. He's already, you know, staked his claim, planted his flag in 2021. You got to, yeah, you got to make that. I mean, we're talking 20 years now. We're getting up to 20 years now straight where he's just been a high-level, exceptional, one of the best in the world pro wrestlers. Yeah, you got to put him in that mix for sure. I think there's an argument that he's underrated. I don't know if he gets as much because it's possible for everyone to know you're great but still be underrated to some degree. If someone said, I think Hiroshi Tanahashi is the fourth best wrestler of all time, I don't think I'd have a problem with that. Like, like I would be like, all right, that's a reasonable opinion, you know? Um, and I don't know if necessarily people think of him as being that good. But when you look at his career, he really is. The guy is fucking phenomenal. And he's still phenomenal when he has a match like this at the age of 44 or whatever uh, in a big spot in the main event. Who's better in a big spot? You're right. Yeah, I mean that, that's <laughs> the best part is like that that you know that rant that you're doing that's in our intro of the show is from yeah. it's like from 2013. You know what I mean? Like that rant is 10 yeah. years old at this point. Like it's approaching 10 years old. That rant where you're telling me about you know him being in the big spot, and that's after having you know seven years of him being in in in, in big spots and delivering every single time. And and yeah, go back and watch these old Wrestle Kingdoms. Go back and watch these old shows. It's not like a guy who just in the last half of his career figured it out. Like from day one, this guy. W- w- was a man and yeah he's been this good for for this long and it's 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 just yeah anytime you think oh that's oh he's really slowing down or it's just about the end he goes and has a match like this where you're just like god damn this dude's like as good as he's ever been <laughs> at this point it's just absolutely nuts can he do it with as much frequency no obviously I, I i don't think he can but fuck he can he can do it a few times a year now and that's all you really ask for and it's just brilliant storytelling and everything he does he puts a lot of thought and everything um he's just great and then you have Shingo, where 
I mean, if you told me you thought he was the best wrestler in the world, I wouldn't even blink. I, I, the guy is just – we've run out of ways to say how great he is. And um, Shingo, let me put it to you this way. Shingo is such a great pro wrestler that when people say that Shingo isn't a great pro wrestler, I lose respect for their opinion. Yeah, I've, I've stopped kind of, you know, I used to argue against that. And this is like going back like, you know, 2016, 2017 or whatever, like peak DGUSA days, peak, you know, him in, in Dragon Gate days and, and, and you know, arguing with people. Then I'm like, no, you're, you're absolutely just completely off base if you, you, you don't think that this guy is a great wrestler or was a great wrestler or whatever. I used to argue with that. I'd say, no, 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 let me point to this, I'll point to this, I'll point to this. And you're right, the more and more as we go on, this New Japan run, 2019, 2020, 2021, it's just like, no, you're... You just either don't get it. You're just being. I, I really, truly, I'm. I'm right with you. I don't believe that you're being truthful when you say that you think he sucks or, or you don't think he's that good. I don't know if it's that I don't think they're being truthful. I just lose respect for your opinion. I just think. If well, you yeah, can't I guess re- that's about that. Might be a better way to put it. I I probably think that they're just being edge lords and oh, I think Shingo sucks and it's like okay, or yeah, you just have absolutely no feel for the wrestling business you know, type yeah. thing, so. I mean, because yeah. I don't think it's possible to not understand that this guy's great unless you just have god-awful like analysis of pro because he's just fucking great what's there not to think what what is there in Shingo's game that isn't what is there not to understand about how great he is it's it's everything it's he has all the things that everyone loves about pro wrestling he's an ass kicker he's no nonsense um, he beats people up. He has, he, he has, he sells his, ad- who sells better than this guy? Oh, it's, it's a great. short list. Yeah. It's a short list. Um, you know, he, he has, uh, his, his stamina. I mean, how many times, how many shingle matches have you seen that by the end of it, you're tired? Oh, that, and, that, and that was always, the th- that's the thing that attracted me. The first time I ever saw Shingo back, you know, in early, you know, Dragon Gate USA days and, and early Ring of Honor days. You know the 07, 08, 09, 010, like you know the 2010, like that was always just like the pace that this guy worked. And then you go back to his high level Dragon Gate stuff and watch that, and it's just like, dude, every second it's effort, 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 effort. Never takes a break, never takes a breath, never gets oxygen. It's just boom, 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 boom. It's just bomb after bomb after bomb for 30 minutes, and you're like, how does he do it? How does it like and never fucks up? You know what I mean? Like it's never like this guy gets so tired that he can't do the the, the his moves or he stumbles or he's just. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, one of the, one of the, I, uh, honestly, legitimately one of the better processing athletes I've ever seen in my life in terms of you know, not necessarily what he can do athleticism wise, but the the cardio level, like you said, is insane. I've never seen him tired. When when have you ever seen Shingo and said, "Wow, he looks fucking beat"? Every time he's done, he looks like he'd go another thirty five minutes if he needed to, you know, at a hard pace. Yeah, and not and... with a side headlock, <laughs> like just fucking bombs. Every... And, and the work and the work is great. It's always crisp. Yeah, it's always crisp and always looks good. It always looks impactful. It always looks powerful. It, it, yeah. It looks believable. He's intense. Um, he looks like he's in a fight. Um, you know, he works super hard. I really genuinely don't know what there is not to like. You may not think he's the greatest wrestler of all time like Alan Cunahan does. I can understand that. But to say that this guy stinks, I, I it's 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 one of those takes where I instantly lose respect for your opinions because I don't. I cannot understand where you're coming from right? with a take like that. And that's not always the case with wrestlers that I think are great. Like, okay, I'll give you a great example. 
If you tell me that you think Kazuchika Okada stinks, I vehemently disagree with you. I think you're crazy. I think you have bad taste. But honestly, I get where you're coming from. Because I could see the things where you might think that he stinks or he doesn't appeal to your sensibilities or right, whatever. Right, right. Or like Will is an ultimate one, too, where like you and I well, think Will Ospreay is I get greatest. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a that's a that's even that's an even better one. But I, I get totally it. get there's times when Will has a match that I'm like, ah dude, people that don't like Will are gonna fucking hate this match. Like Yes. So I you know, but Shingo, I don't understand how you can be a wrestling. Yeah, fan what do you want? What do you want out of wrestling? What do you want that's out of not, a wrestler? That Shingo isn't giving you. I what what? It, <laughs> like, yeah. If at some base level he doesn't entertain you, I don't know what you want out of pro wrestling. Even if you don't necessarily think he's like one of the greatest wrestlers ever or anything like that. But at the base level, what is he not giving you? What is he doing wrong? It does, I can't, it does not compute in my brain, you know, and there's probably other wrestlers like him that I, that I would have similar thoughts, but it's definitely not every wrestler. I think is it, it's just definitely, we just named, you know, Willis is a perfect example, but Shingo. No, I don't understand. I, that one, I don't get. He's fucking phenomenal here too. I mean, I didn't go five on it. Because there were a the couple messy spots there. That one sequence, which I thought was going to be the finish, where he caught – he was supposed to catch Tanahashi in a cross body and then put him up on his shoulders for either a Made in Japan or Last of the Dragon. And they botched it up and he ended up just giving him a fireman's carry takeover or whatever or a Samoan drop, whatever it was. And I thought, oh, man, maybe that was probably supposed to be the finish. But it turned out it wasn't supposed to be the finish because Tanahashi won the match. But that was a bad botch couple other things, but these are minor gripes. I mean, the match was so good. I went four and three quarters, ultimately. Um, surefire match of the year contender, as good as anything on Wrestle Kingdom. It'll be as good as anything all year. And, um, yeah, just a phenomenal match with two phenomenal pro wrestlers. Yeah, just just tremendous stuff. Uh, so, yeah, if you have not seen that, uh, definitely go out of your way. And just a, a really cool energy to that match, too. Definitely one of those ones that does not feel like it's, you know, in a, a half-filled Corkin Hall or, or a half-filled uh, – I forget where this one was, a Dolphins Arena or whatever the fucking Nagoya. I forget what the, the name of the venue is called. But, uh, yeah, the, the just, yeah, tremendous no matter if it was in front of an entire arena going nuts or, you know, no fans at all. So uh, no DQ match here. Will Ospreay versus Toshi Kojima. Not at all what I expected. It was a plunder match. It was guys hitting each other with shit. And there were points that I kind of thought it was, eh, at times. And then other times when I thought this match is fucking awesome. When it was ultimately done, I ended up liking it a lot. Uh I think you maybe liked it a little bit more than I did, but we'll at least discuss it here. We, we haven't discussed it prior. Uh, but this is, yeah, this, I think that the thing that, the biggest takeaway of this match for me, necessarily wasn't like exactly what happened in the match. It wasn't exactly the work or whatever. It was that Satoshi Kojima, at the age that he's at, at the, 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 where he is in his career, where he's at in New Japan for wrestling, where he is in, in in Japanese wrestling, for him to just go out there and say, you know what, let's just go out there and kill each other. You do whatever you want to me. I'll do whatever I want to you. We'll just go out there and put a bunch of effort. We'll beat the fuck out of each other. Well, you, you can throw me through tables. You can hit me with shit. I'll throw you through ladders, all that sort of... For Satoshi Kojima not to just say, no, nah, dude, I'm going to hit you with my fucking lariat and you're going to hit me with this thing and let's just go in there and get out of here. I mean, just an all-time great performance by Satoshi Kojima at his age. Uh, but yeah, ultimately the match, I, I liked it. I didn't hate it, but I, I didn't think it like got, it was anywhere near the main event. The event event blew it out of the water, of course. I thought it was the best match of its kind in years. I mean, this is a match type I'm so tired of, but um, I thought this was great. I thought it was not quite as good as the main event, but not far behind and almost as good as anything at Wrestle Kingdom as well. Outside of the two matches I gave five stars to. Um. 
I thought it was incredible. And what was incredible about it was, yeah, it was this plunder match and everything, but the reality was there was only like three or four big spots. But the way they paced it and spread them out, you know, you had uh, Will powerbombing Kojima through the table in the corner. You had Will, uh, you had Kojima hitting the Western Lariat on Will on the top rope and sending him into the ladder, which is one of the, that is one of the best spots I've ever I, seen. Dude, I, no fucking, hyperbole. I, I knew, so I knew that Will went through the ladder, but I couldn't, like, I saw a gif of, of Will going through the ladder. But I try to keep myself spoiler free, so I'm wondering, man, how how does he go through this ladder? When does he go through this ladder? I do and while it's happening. I have no until Will break it flies off that top rope or flies off that apron into that ladder. I was just like, holy shit, what a setup for that spot! It's so you don't even notice the ladder's there. You don't even realize what's happening until he just fucking gets larried ten feet back through this ladder. Oh, what a spot that was! That was so good. It was incredible, and it didn't look contrived. It looked like the the force from Kojima is what forced him off of the top. The ladder is like a mile away, and this guy's such a good athlete that he just he he made he landed perfectly uh, where he needed to land on the ladder, uh, going backwards. By the way, just an incredible, super memorable spot. And the thing about this match, we're calling it a plunder match. It wasn't just okay. It wasn't like the Roman Reigns. Kevin Owens match we just saw at Rumble where it was just, okay, uh, we do one big spot. We move on to the next one. Now it's time for the next stunt. Now it's time for the next stunt. And that's what a lot of these modern plunder matches are. And this wasn't that, okay? This this was not just going from one stunt to the next. These were all spots worked into the match in a natural way. And the other thing about this is after watching the GCW marathon all day, and seeing a bunch of matches, a bunch of plunder matches where they did far more dangerous stunts than they did in this match. And did way more crazy shit, but none of it meant a thing because they're just random matches between guys who, you know, there's no backstory. There's, you know, there's no real, you don't feel any real intensity. It's just let's go out there and have a stunt show. And the dichotomy to watching this match where they're having this blood feud. You felt that these men hated each other. That's why they're having a match like this. Because they want to destroy one another. And that helps the match. It's not just WWE having a table, ladder, and chair match because it's December. Right, right. They built to this. And that made it all the more better. And that's why this was the best match of its type I've seen in some time. Now, don't get me wrong. The work was incredible. Kojima is 50. He doesn't have to do this shit. They could pitch this to him, and he could say, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to work my little tag match openers with the Young Lions, which I can work off of muscle memory at this point in my life. I don't need to go through two through tables with 28-year-old Will Ospreay. I'm good. He can say no. He not only says yes, but then goes out there and performs like that? I mean incredible to put his body through that. And Will Ospreay, what can you say? He can do anything. He's one of the most versatile wrestlers on earth. And he's always been great at plunder. Go watch uh, the progress match against Jimmy Havoc from a couple years ago. That's one of the best plunder matches I've ever seen. And again, what helped that one? The long-term story they told over a number of years. 
It's not just going out and doing stuff. Right. It's not the so, garbage, you know, the, 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 you know, I used to call them shopping cart matches, you know, those Al Snow versus insert whatever guy, WF hardcore matches where they would just roll down a shopping cart full of shit and hit each other with it. Cause it was like, oh, it's a hardcore match. And, and like, we've seen that so much. 2020 has been uh, just abused the plunder match so heavily where it's just guys go out there, whether they have a death feud or not, they just go out there and they hit each other with shit just because. It's a no tables or it's a tables match or it's a no DQ match or it's a last man standing match or whatever. But you're right, yeah. The 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 this is always going to be helped, and the reason why I probably like it more, you know, I liked it more, even though I didn't ultimately like it as much as you did. Why I liked it more than most plunder matches is that there was st- there. I believe that Will Osprey wanted to put Kojima through a table. I believe that Satoshi Kojima wanted to, you know, Larry at Will Osprey and have him go through a ladder. Like it's all those few spots are important because they have meaning to them and they're not just dudes going through shit and doing stuff. So yeah, and. um you know, there were several moments during that match where it's at four o'clock in the morning and I'm afraid I'm going to wake everybody up in the house. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. The latter spot, I audibly like screamed at the latter spot. Like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Kojima going through the table. The spot where Osprey tries to do the uh, the os cutter and Kojima counters it with the lariat. I just, this is fucking, this match was so good. I went four and a half on this. I, I this was. You know, compared to when you see these WWE plunder matches, I, you know, and I picked on Game Changer, I'll pick on WWE now, where it's like you're so numb to these spots. It just they, they don't mean anything to you anymore. Because how many ladder, how many ladder matches are they up to, Rich, this year? Whatever it is, oh, 29. Yeah, yeah. Finally, the calendar flipped over, so we'll see what they do in 2021. But yeah, it was it was it's somewhere like, like 19 times? or something like that. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and it's like I've, they don't even you're numb to it. But you have a promotion where they don't do it a lot, number one. That helps. And you have the right story to lead to a match like this. Because I watched all those dopey road twos and those no contests and those double DQs they were having. And you're seeing this feud boil over. And you're watching Kojima's um, promos where he wants to avenge uh, you know, what happened to his friend. And 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 it just just this fucking worked for me. I thought this was phenomenal. I love this match. It probably helps that these are two of my favorite wrestlers. I mean, again, investment always is going to help. But again, they didn't come into this cold. They they built to this, and then worked it to the the level of animosity that they had built coming into it. Uh, and then uh, Great Okan versus Hiroshi Tenzan, uh, the match for the Mongolian Chop, and they do it. They take the Mongolian Chop away from Hiroshi Tenzan. Great Okan wins it. Uh, the work, the actual work itself, it, it was fine. Like I, there's a lot of people that really disliked this match, really thought it stunk. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was pretty okay. Uh, but it was all about kind of the story of it and Okan getting his character over and kind of just sucking the life and the last bits of life. Out of Hiroshi Tenzan, and he absolutely did it in this match. So I get that the work for Okan is going to be hit or miss for some people. I don't mind it as much as it seems that some other people do, uh, but it's undeniable that the charisma is there, and it's undeniable that I am at least you know into his matches and 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 you know pretty invested uh, in what he does because I think the character is awesome, and his charisma is awesome, and all that sort of stuff. So no, was this like any nowhere near as good as you know <laughs> Osprey and, and Kojima or, or, or you know Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Shingo Takagi? But I thought a decent enough match and told a really cool story and they didn't overstand their welcome. It was, you know, in and out in, I think it was like eight or nine minutes or whatever uh, for the match. Okan steals the, the Mongolian chop. Hiroshi Tenzan can't use it anymore. I think it sold a, it told a great story. Uh, and Okan continues to impress me. Even, you know, I, I, again, you talk about guys that, you know, some people don't get it and you understand it. I, I totally get why Okan doesn't work for some people, but it's working for me right now. And I know that it's working for you too. 
Yeah, I mean, Ocon's not going out there having, you know, notebook-filling classics, especially by the New Japan standard. Um, but I don't think he's having bad matches at all. He's going out there and working to his gimmick. And as far as Tenzon goes, you know, he doesn't have a lot of singles matches, but when he does, somehow he delivers. He had the Yoshihashi match in New Japan Cup, which was uh, a great match. And I thought he delivered physically. I thought he was fine in this match. I don't know what people are complaining about. Like in the tag matches, sometimes he looks atrocious. Like he looks like we need to, this man needs to retire tomorrow. That wasn't the case here. And it was a great story and a great stipulation and a very ballsy move to where Okan has retired this man's Mongolian chops. He can't do them anymore. Tenzon. And it's kind of crazy. Like, if he comes back to work someone's retirement show in five years, is he going to be allowed to do the Mongolian chop? Is he going to adhere to the stipulation when he comes back for Satoshi Kojima's retirement show in five years or whatever? Because the fans are going to want it. But, you know, o- Okan, he took that from him. And this is step one in uh, the start of the elevation of Okan. And, of course, we saw him come out and ruin Tanahashi's celebration in the main event. Right. Which, again, by the way, you know, for our earlier discussion there, you can count up all the ages of Tenzan and Kojima and all that sort of stuff. Well, they both lost. <laughs> you know, Okan lost and convin- yeah. beat you know, Tenzan in a convincing fashion and took his fucking move from him. And Will Ospreay threw Satoshi Kojima through a table and pinned his ass in the middle of a New Japan ring. Like, that's how you do it. It doesn't matter how old they are. It's how you, how you utilize them and, and, and how you use them to get the next generation over. And that's exactly what they're doing. Well, there were people, some people saying, why are you complaining about Edge, but nobody's complaining about Tanahashi beating Shingo? And again, you have to be incredibly daft to make a point like that. Who attacks Tanahashi after the match? Who is Tanahashi going to put over for this never title, probably in the next match? This was all set up for Okan to get his win back against Tanahashi and take the never title from him. So, like, that's your answer right there. And oh, by the way, Shingo's also like 40. It's not like Shingo is a young pup. <laughs> you know, he's like in the same generation as Tanahashi. So it's like, but but that's besides the point. The point here is the only reason the only reason Tanahashi won this match is to put over Okan, and because they don't want Shingo to be the one to do that. Like, this is all multi layered. They don't want Shingo putting this guy, they want Tanahashi putting the guy over. They want him to get the win back over Tanahashi because Tanahashi beat him earlier. So, you know, uh, again, very stupid points from stupid people. But, um, no, I think Okan is a lock to beat Tanahashi. I don't think Tanahashi will have one successful defense. I think Okan is going to beat him the first time. Oh, for sure. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Castle attack or whatever it is. Because I don't think they're going to have Tanahashi beat him twice. No, they and, and they've done that. I mean, historically, you go back and look at Wrestle Kingdoms. Like, we talked about in our previews. Like, I would have just had Okan beat him. I would have just had him win. But, t- you know, typically they keep the older guys a little bit more reserved in, in Wrestle Kingdoms. And they kind of hold off the big wins for later in, in the year and, and spread them out over the, over the course of the year. So it's like... I, I kind of it all makes sense now. You know what I mean? Like when he lo- loses, it's like ah okay. I mean, at some point he's going to get that win back. Uh, and now with this win and, and the challenge and stuff, it's like oh okay. It's a, an easy way to transition Okan to the title while getting his win back from Tanahashi, and Okan doesn't have to beat Shingo for that title or whatever. So yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. It's, it, it's perfect. I mean, I don't hate it that he lost to Tanahashi the first time. It's just not what I would do. I'd have him beat Tanahashi the first time and beat him this time. 
I haven't beat him twice. Yeah, yeah I don't care. <laughs> I have no fear, but uh, yeah. That's I what I would do. But look, I, I get it. I understand why they do it. Look, we told everybody we expected it to play out this way. You know. Um, so, no, that's that's what I think will happen moving forward. I think he's going to beat Tanahashi first try. And I do think that, um, you know, this could be a scenario where Shingo fails up. I could easily see Shingo. Are we going to buy it? Are we doing this again, Joe? I can't. <laughs> No, I don't think they're going to give him like a main event push. My heart but can't think, take this anymore. Don't 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 do this. I mean, I could easily see him being the next challenger. I mean, he beat Abushi once and he's LIJ so his boy loses to Abushi. I can easily see him marching out for that challenge. That's how they 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 always book the guy to fail. They do that a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's a possibility though. It's definitely one of the possibilities. Um for for Abushi's next challenger because Sonata's not winning. I mean, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Let's hope not. Yeah, th- thank God. I hope Shingo's the next guy because at least Abushi will have somebody who has a pulse that he can uh, he can he can face. How cold dude. is this Abushi Sonata, dude? How cold is this? I'm d- dude. I'm done with this Sonata guy. I'm over this thing in general, dude. Can we can we try to maybe act like we're kind of excited, like? I know the cold skull, but like, let's go, man! Fucking double titles, main events. Let's let's get some energy going here. Let's let's get hyped. Jesus yeah. Christ! How could anybody anybody be interested in this guy? I don't know. I don't. It's a fucking comatose. Like, what is going on? I know. I I'm done I, with it. I'm over it. I'm not even. I, I'm done with the point. I'm done talking about it. It's just the guy's a fucking dud. It's never gonna happen. I'm done. Well, hold that thought. Let's do the tenth in Hiroshima first. Because uh, we got the back-to-back nights, uh, we'll start at the top. It's Hiromu versus Show. That doesn't exactly feel like the red, you know, a red-hot feud either. If I'm being honest, but I think they'll have a really good match. Uh, Grills of Destiny defend against Dangerous Techers. <laughs> I have, I have zero interest. For that. None. Um, then there's a couple of tags, and the other singles match is Master Wato versus Bush. Oh, but but here's the thing. Look, it's not like I care about that, but I will give them credit for putting another singles match on there and, and yeah. building up a little sum on the undercard. I guess. It may not be something I want, but I will always give them credit for because sure. New, New Japan, you don't get a lot of down card feuds, is all I'm saying. No, you know? you're you're right. It's uh, I just wish it involves good wrestlers as opposed to actively bad ones. But yeah, you're right. Listen, you're not gonna get the Empire on all three nights, and they feel like the hottest thing in the company. Okay, so you're going to get Wato. I mean, you could get him, but they could have done Empire on all three shows, but they're not doing that. They're giving you Wato Bushi, and you're going to have to like it, Rich. Well, I guess you're not going to have to like it, but you're going to have to watch it. I'm going to have to, yeah. I will, I will watch it no matter what. I, I do not have to like it, though. I will uh, I will give it my, my honest thoughts. So. so in the 11th, we've got, uh, we'll skip the tags here. Um, well, the, well, some of it, well, we've got, Hanma and Show versus Master Wato. Hanma, Show, and Master Wato versus LIJ because Hanma's been feuding with Naito. So that's how they've been keeping Naito busy in kind of this silly feud with Hanma. With, uh, with Hanma. Which I actually um, enjoy. I'm, I'm actually into that feud a little bit. Yeah, it's so. down, again, if, if they're going to do down card stuff because they normally don't, the pandemic has forced them to be a little more creative, and I like that because these matches aren't completely meaningless fodder that you normally get same thing you got okada and yano versus evil and togo we're going to get an okada evil singles match at you know, the next big show and i suspect that that's okada launching himself back into the title picture that's why i say there's a good chance 
we get Shingo Abushi next because Okada has to get through Evil first, right? And this gives sufficient time to kind of get Okada back in the mix and then maybe do Okada Abushi down the line at some point. But who knows? We'll have more clarity after these shows. And then um, they added this never match after Jay White returned. So it's Jay White and the Gorillas against uh, Ishii, Goto, and Yoshihashi, challenger for the never six man. So, They're probably gonna- nice so. dead giveaway to who's winning those uh, tag titles. I'd say on the tenth, but we'll see. Uh, what's your angle there? Oh, oh, you think? Um, I think Gorillas probably lose those titles that day, and then probably maybe pick up these guys on the eleventh. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean it's possible for sure. Um, the one thing about the never six man is they've never been afraid to have that be a double title That's for true. someone. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so who knows? And then, of course, we already talked about Ibushi versus Sonata. I don't think there's any way Sonata wins. The match is cold anyway. Even if, even if that was the plan, uh, pivot <laughs> to something else because let's not – no. Let's please not do that. It's not going to work. And uh, Kota, to his credit, too, and this is a guy who I think I, – I, I don't – you know, obviously I'm fine with Kota Ibushi being the champion, but he's kind of an odd – duck himself obviously so uh you're gonna need a guy to to really a guy that he's gonna be invested in in building a story in or just a guy that that he can just have kick-ass matches with and and you won't have because i i don't know that code is the guy that's gonna really lead like really get you excited about a build for a match you know what i mean like he's he's kind of kind of clunky kind of dorky at times or whatever in, in, in terms of his backstage uh promos and whatnot but it's all about anticipating that match and what he does in that match and and he's always going to deliver because he's Kota Bushi. but I think when you know at the end of this road that this weird weird road that these guys have been on when you know when the end of this road is you know Kota Bushi versus Sonata and and Sonata I mean it's a great opportunity for Sonata to, to hopefully step up uh, but I have no faith that that's going to happen so we'll see I mean, their last match wasn't that good. No, that's what I mean. It's it's like... And and the thing about it was, Sonata wasn't that bad. Like, he wasn't his usual sloppy self, and it still wasn't that good. So if it's a Sonata slop fest, I mean, you know, so there's concerns here. It could be good. I mean, it could be really good. Oh, yeah. It's Kota Ibushi. You can't write it off completely, but... um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm interested in it. I, I can't tell you that. I'm not very excited about either one of these cards. Honestly. No, these cards kind of stink. Even if you, even if you, if you plump these all together, and this was just one card, I f- still feel like I wouldn't really be that invested in it at all. I mean, to be honest, yeah, because that tag title match does nothing for me. Uh, the never six man's, I guess, has the chance to be kind of cool or kind of fun or whatever. And then even like the down card stuff, you know, the Okada and Yano versus Evil and Dick Togo. I mean, I have no use for that whatsoever. Um, so yeah, there's not a lot that I love on these shows. So we'll we'll, we'll see, but. Uh, at least they're ah, nice, compact, you know, hour-and-a-half shows, so you can get them, watch them, get done, move on with your life afterwards. So. Oh, they're so short, and it's so good. Um, you don't want to see Dick Togo get money clipped? Come on. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Come on, man. I, I love it. You know, I love Dick Togo, but uh, I don't know. Well, I don't love this Dick Togo. Yeah, this Dick Togo doesn't feel like Dick Togo. I, I'd, I'd like, I wish he came in with a new name so he can just kind of, you know, like people do with Kenta and Hideo Itami. Where when you mention NXT Kenta, they go, no, 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 that was today with Tommy. <laughs> like, he's not the same yeah. human being. I kind of wish they did that with Dick Togo or, you know, I don't have to remember. Oh, yeah, like, Dick Togo fucking rocks. And then he comes out and he's, you know, boring-ass you know matches. Just, so. You know what I just thought of? Going all the way back to at topic one. Kenta, big angle guy. Big angle Again? guy, big talker guy. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. What do we do with this guy? Well, he can't talk and he can't do angles with them, and he leaves and is immediately the best promo and the best angle guy in the business. Big angle guy, Kenta, delivering again. Runs out at Dynamite, runs out at Wrestle Kingdom, 
runs out and beats up Shibata. Like this dude's, yeah, it's awesome. He's he's been a big time angle guy. He's a story. He's you telling know, stories. He's out there telling stories the way they're supposed to be told. You know what was Kicking an ass. underrated? You know what was an underrated Kenta angle because it never had a payoff. The Austin Aries attack. Do you remember that? I don't. When he attacked Austin Aries after one after coming back from one of his thousand injuries <laughs> that he had in WWE. And he gave Austin Aries the uh, go to sleep. Oh, that's right. Because Aries, oh man, Aries was in the opener. But who was he? Oh, was it against like No Way Jose? Am I I right in that? May have been the No Way Jose match, which was really good. Yeah, it was. I remember that being a really, really cool match back when Takeovers were really fun. Uh, Yeah, I do remember that now. Actually, was he? He was wearing like a suit or something, right, when he came out. Yeah, and I think like his shoe came off when he gave yes, the <laughs> that rocked. Yeah, I that remember awesome. weird details of it. I might be mixing up two different things. There's but... possible, yeah, but but I do I do think I remember that. Because Aries, yeah, what, obviously... a, what a generation ago! <laughs> that sounds like the way you're yeah. describing. That sounds like it was 30 years ago. Austin Aries with No Way Jose on the opener of a hot NXT takeover, and then Hideo Itami runs out in a suit and beats him up. <laughs> like... It just sounds fake. Yeah, it sounds like we just made it up. It sounds like something that isn't real. Um. But I don't know if the kid – like, okay, here's what I know to be true. Austin Aries had a really good match with No, no Way Jose in NXT. Right. That is a fact. That we do know. We can confirm that, yes. I know that happened. We don't know if it was Kenta, that match specifically, but he did. Kenta attacked Austin Aries in NXT and gave him a go-to-sleep. I know that is a fact. <laughs> I don't know if those two things occurred on the same show. That is where my mind is blurry. You see what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, yeah. But I, I, but yeah, but those both of those things independently definitely happened. I, th- yeah, I think it was an NXT takeover. I want to say a Brooklyn, Brooklyn one, or Brooklyn. They two, got a I huge forget. pop. Yeah, it was fucking great if I remember correctly. So, Kent is an angle guy. Yeah, he's an angle guy. Yeah. He is he's a talker guy and an angle he's, guy. <laughs> that they couldn't figure out what to, what to do with. <laughs> fucking idiots. Um, <laughs> God, he's the talk of the wrestling business today. Like. What are they doing there? Yeah. Like, I, but Joe, I, uh, I, I, casual viewer X, don't know who he is, so I'm just gonna shrivel into a ball and never watch AEW ever again. <laughs> you know that that talking point. I don't even want to get into that. But that, yeah, that, God, I can't believe the who is this man? Ah, as you just morph into just a glob of goo because you don't know who that person is that came out. It's like what? Are you... uh, that's enough wrestling for me. Yeah. I don't know. This I'm game. not sure who that guy that they're screaming. That's Kenta. That's Kenta. Who is this man? That's Kenta. He has the IWGP briefcase. Oh, I don't know who that is. So I'm just going to turn into goo now. So and never watch pro wrestling bullet. ever again. So he's wearing a bullet club shirt. Too. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing a bullet club shirt. They're screaming. His name's Kenta. And they say he's got the uh, briefcase that he can allows him to face John Moxie for the IWGP us title. But I don't know who he is. So I now am no longer going to watch wrestling ever again. So Well, that's the thing. Not only am I confused because I don't know who he is, but that's it. I can't <laughs> watch it. I'm, done. I'm throwing in the towel. I can't because this confusion is too much for me. Um, the, con- the, the cliffhanger and the fact that I don't know who he is, isn't it, aren't you more apt to watch the next week to see what ha- to have explained what happened? I, yeah, me, yes. I, that, one of my favorite parts about learn, you know, getting into wrestling was the unknown. And one of my favorite parts about wrestling still to this day uh, is the unknown. When we go back and watch stuff that I'm not familiar with, or, or I watch wrestlers I'm not familiar with, or when I first watch wrestling, the excitement of I don't, I'm learning all this new stuff. I'm learning who this new person is. Who's that? What's his important? Like that stuff appeals. I, I love that. I love learning, and <laughs> but I, some people don't. I guess some people. 
Want, I remember want Thor in the middle of the Marvel movie to go, okay, so I am Thor, the god of thunder, and, and yeah. that is Thanos. Thanos. So, okay, so now the reason why Thanos is doing like. I remember watching When's World, When Worlds Collide on pay per view in 1994, and the Conan versus Pero Aguayo cage match, which was the main event. A lot of people think Gringos Locos yeah, versus. No, it wasn't. El Hijo del Santo and Octagon was the main event, but it wasn't. The main event was Conan versus Pero Aguayo in the cage. And I remember at the end of the match, like Cien Caras and Universo 2000, all these guys were climbing the side of the cage. I had no fucking clue what was going on. All I knew is Mike Tanay was screaming, that's Cien Caras and that's Universo. And, they, and, and he explained the angle the same way that they explained it at the end of Dynamite this week with Excalibur and it and you know what I did the very next day after watching that show after being confused and not knowing who these men were climbing the cage <laughs> you never watch pro wrestling ever again no I oh. went on an early version of the internet and 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 bought and traded for as many AAA tapes as I could that's what I did the next day and I and I became a monster lucha fan for the next year and a half of my life so it, it that is the most overrated shit. Yeah. It also, what I what like, I used to have to do, just to kind of give you an idea here, what I would do is when I discovered new or I'd watch old wrestling, I'd go to the freaking library and they had a bunch of like wrestling photo books. You know what I mean? These like really, these I, I think Peter UI maybe did them or George Napolitano or, or no, what, what was the guy's name? The famous wrestling photographer, George Napolitano. Yes, yeah, that's it. That's it. He had these like photo books, and for some reason, my library had a bunch of them. So I go and I just flip through them until I found the guy that they. I was like, "Oh, that's who that guy is. That's the name to the face or whatever." Like that's what I used to do. You know, you would go and and, and go on the early internet and buy tapes. I'd go to the library and flip through and find all the story stuff because I was still in the early early days uh, of the internet as well. Or I'd go to the library and they had the internet at the library, Joe. So I'd look up. I'd, I'd go to the book and I'd say, "Ah, that's Greg Valentine." And then I'd go on the internet and look up this Greg Valentine guy to learn about him. So yeah, that's that's what I did. So. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't. Me not understanding that angle, or even who a lot of the wrestlers were on the show, didn't run me off because I was confused. I, I, I loved what I saw, and I loved the show, and it made me a fan. You know, it, it had it, the op- I'm not saying that that angle made me a fan because I didn't understand it. I'm saying it didn't stop me from becoming a fan or wanting to learn more about this new, exciting wrestling that I just saw. And I went out and got as many tapes as I could. And talking about that, I remember I have all those Tijuana handhelds when Conan was running that Tijuana offshoot that he modeled after ECW. Man, I got to get a hold of those tapes. I know they're at my mother's house somewhere, but those would be really fun to watch and maybe even upload at this point. Um, Because I don't know if a lot of people have those because they're they're handhelds from those Tijuana shows. But, um, you know, like RF and all those places – would sell them. I don't know how many people still have them or how many are flowing around, but that's not either here nor there. I just want a, a weird side rant for some reason. But um, but the point is that when Worlds Collide made me a fan, it didn't. I didn't get scared off by the unknown. No one's going to see that Kenta angle and get scared off because they don't know who he is. They're going to be. They're going to understand the pop that he just got, and they're going to turn on next week to have it explained to them. You know, I think we think 
we always make up this mystical casual. Yeah, the casual our... fan that turns into goo when they don't understand something. It just Who goes, is this person? And it yeah. deletes their, you know, just like, oh my god, what is this? I'm never watching it again. Oh. <laughs> it's a made-up caricature that doesn't exist. Yeah. Like, they, they, if they're watching to begin with, they like wrestling, and they understand it at a base level. And they understand, even if they don't know who Kenta is, they're going, oh, this guy must be pretty important because the fans reacted to him, the announcers reacted to him, and he's wearing a Bullet Club shirt. Even if you never watched wrestling in your entire life and you popped up on this, a guy ran in, fucking threw some really cool moves, the fans went nuts, the announcer screamed, and he looked like a badass and he walked out of the ring. Like, who does that not appeal to? (laughs) Like, You know, I, I didn't know who the guys were climbing the side of the cage, but I knew they must have been important. And I did the best I could listening to the commentators. And, you know, some of it went over my head. So what? The more I watched, the more I understood. It's what I tell people. They always ask us, oh, Dragon Gate's so intimidating. Just start watching it. You're not going to get a lot of it at first. You're going to watch three or four shows. You're going to understand what's happening. Because it's pro wrestling. We're not sending rockets to the moon. At, At a base level, you understand pro wrestling. The only way to get into a new promotion is just start fucking watching it. And accept that the first show you watch, you might not be familiar with everybody. I don't know who this casual fan everybody makes up in their head. Who is this person? Who are these people? Like Jerry Seinfeld. You brought him up. Who are these people? Who are these casual fans that are just smooth-brained idiots who are going to get scared because they don't know who someone is on the screen or don't have everything explained to them every second? This is McMahon derangement syndrome because that's how they've handled their television for two decades. And the other part about that, too, is even if you had no idea, it's like I had to go to the library. You had to go with this primitive Internet and then wait by your mailbox for four weeks or whatever. You're holding the world's information at your fingertips. Just type in Kenta. Type in AEW and it's probably going to come up. If you really, truly need to be handheld and told who this man is and what the importance is, it's all there. You could find it pretty quickly. So, yeah, I, I... we need to not, and, and, and pro wrestling should not cater to this tub of goo uh, person that, that, that can't handle uh, the, the slightest bit of uh, confusion or, or, or the slightest bit of, of you know not knowing who somebody is. Like that, that should not be the goal is to cater to that person. Cater to, well, hold to- on. This hypothetical mouth-breathing idiot, I wouldn't try to – yeah, exactly. Like that person is not going to be able to get into anything. How can they even watch any television show if they're if if, if, <laughs> yeah. if that's going to confuse them to the point like a new character shows up and their world is just thrown into a tizzy? Yeah. Uh, I can't watch this show anymore. There's a new character. Man, could you imagine on Seinfeld if they watch it? Kramer blows through that door. They just got to be ex- it just oh my who in what is this guy doing? You know, yeah, you, they, yeah. you need Jerry Seinfeld to say Kramer, <laughs> my neighbor across the hall. How's it going? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's, it's so dumb. People assume that wrestling fans need that, and I don't know why. I don't know who. I don't know where that started or how that started or whatever. It must. It's got to be WWE brainworms thing where where they do that. But it, it's it it yeah. They don't exist, and you don't need to cater to them, even if they did exist. So, all right. So that is somehow New Japan Pro Wrestling's new beginning in Hiroshima. I don't know how do we even get there. I don't even remember how we got there. I know not even the slightest idea how we got there. Uh, we got about a half an hour left, so real quickly, I just wanted to co- uh, cover these uh, WWE financials. Uh, Russonomics, of course, will have an episode this weekend, probably covering it much, much better uh, than we will here. Uh, just some highlights here. 
uh, fourth quarter highlights. So this is uh, compared to the prior fourth quarter, so fourth quarter 2019 uh, compared to fourth quarter 2020. Uh, revenue was uh, $238.2 million, a decrease of 26% over the prior year period. As WB says, quote, reflecting the absence of the company's large-scale event in Saudi Arabia and also ticketed live events. So um, they missed that big check from the uh, the KSA, and that, that definitely hurt the, the quarterly revenue for sure, so. This one, though, is an, an interesting fact that I guess we could send to old Seth Rollins there. Uh, operating income was $36.2 million, a decrease of 64%, or a decrease of $63.6 million in their operating income because running an event from the Thunderdome is much, much cheaper than going on the road and doing all that sort of stuff. So you got there. Uh, WWE Network average paid subscribers, a uh, follow-up to what we talked about last week, were Joe 1.5 million. <laughs> so they increased 6% over the last year's uh, prior year at still 1.5 million. So the elusive 1.5 million weirdos like you and I and the other people that will pay them money and then nobody else will pay them money. So. And that's why they took the bag from Peacock. All right. Uh, full year 2020 highlights here. Uh, revenue, $974.2 million, an increase of 1% uh, year over year. Uh, again, as the growth in core content rights fees was largely offset by the loss of ticket revenue and the absence of a large-scale international event. So they didn't get the big money from Saudi Arabia. They didn't sell any tickets for most of the year. Uh, they increased their revenue by $13.8 million. So not bad at all. And then... Uh, Operating inc- uh, income, uh, to, uh, uh, $208.6 million, increase of 79% uh, there as well. So, again, more content rights fees and, and, and less, you know, having to pay for anything else. And then the always, always interesting digital video views, Joe. This is the best part when they tout these numbers, which I'm going to read right here. These digital video views. And, again, uh, WWE Network average paid subscribers, $1.5 million. You got that? Got that written down? $1.5 million? Okay. Got it. Digital video views were thirty-eight billion, an increase oh. of ten percent, and hours consumed were one point four billion, uh, an increase of ten percent across all digital and social media platforms. So they converted. Uh, what, what, can, can you do the the, the back in the envelope uh, uh, math there of, of thirty-eight billion uh, to one point five million uh, at all possible to do that? So I think those thirty-eight billion. <laughs> Digital views are from the same 1.5 million Indians in India who watch everything on on YouTube. Uh, is it? Isn't there like a super disproportionate number of people from India watching yeah. the oh, YouTube yeah, yeah. videos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and and most of their social media followers and stuff are from yeah Bangladesh and Pakistan and India and and, and a bunch of places that. I don't Which know. If they can explain how they're going to monetize all that, that'd be great. Yeah. Like, well, well, Joe, <laughs> we have a new term now. Is uh, Nick Khan, our, our our Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer that we're going to vote for this year? Nick Khan, uh, he explained during the, uh, the 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 quarterly call today that uh, they do not feel that this year they lost viewers or lost eyeballs was the perf- the exact quote. He does not feel that during this pandemic they lost eyeballs. The issue is that they have to increase linear eyeballs. Okay. Yes. Those <laughs> linear eyeballs is the new. T- I cannot wait to overuse this term and just beat it into the ground like a WWE subtlety hammer here. Linear eyeballs. So they just need to get these 38 billion eyeballs to be linear and start uh, watching Raw or actually buying stuff or, or giving them money. So once they do that, so that- sky's the limit. I mean, <laughs> so, so is that what he means by that? He means- I think he means, yeah, he means that we have eyeballs on other parts of our product, but we need them to be on all parts of our product right now. Ah, so yes, which I agree. That is true. If you get 
Linear eyeballs. <laughs> so we need more linear eyeballs. That uh, I cannot wait to see what Brandon Thurston does with linear eyeballs. That uh, uh, Brandon does a great job <laughs> with the bingo cards and the George Barrios bingo and all that sort of stuff. So I am very curious what he does with the new term linear eyeballs. We have adjusted a window, which is one of the the classic WWE terms, but uh, now we have linear eyeballs. So churn used to be the fun one. That was the George Barrios. As he explained why the network was a miserable fucking failure every single quarter. So, uh, yeah, linear eyeballs now is what they need to do. So uh, that's about it. I mean, at the end of the day, they uh, again made a bunch of money. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You know, like they, they made more money than ever. The record revenue. They got good TV deals. Yes. They saved money by not running shows, despite what Seth Rollins tells you. Uh, yeah, there's nothing unexpected here. We knew that they would have record revenues. We knew that they would have record uh, everything. I mean, because you just do the math on, on the uh, on the television deals that they made, and and now you 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 toss in the two hundred million they're going to get moving forward per year versus the hundred thirty million at best that they were getting for the domestic network rights, and uh, we you know they'll probably have record revenues again next year. Um, now the the loss of the Saudi income is going to hurt them. Um, I had stepped away to to take a leak. I don't know if you had brought. Did you bring that up or no? I did. I said, yeah, that was the original one there. That the uh, the revenue, the twenty three point eight point two million, uh, decreased over the fourth quarter of of twenty nineteen. Uh, and as they said, reflecting the absence of the company's large scale event in Saudi Arabia and ticketed live events. But uh, the big chunk of that was that big big old big old check from KSA that that is missing. So yeah, uh, regardless of that, they still hit all of their new records. Um, for, for the year. So, um, you know, it, it's as long as they can continue to produce that content and, and move that content, that's going to be the case. Um, no one has doubted their ability to sell their content. In fact, we've been marveled by their ability to sell their content where all of the consumer metrics are telling you that people continue to like it less. And they've still been able to still been able to make good deals and sell their content. Uh, these are different arguments than, uh, you know, what are they doing to uh, increase people's interest in the raw product? These are different arguments. And again, I, I, I think people ha- struggle separating that sometimes, too. And the investors aren't really super nervous about it yet because there's so many years to go on the TV contracts. Right, right, right. You know, if we were a little closer to the television contracts coming up. There might be a little collar tugging and people asking, well, when you sold these uh, deals, you were at this level and you were trending downward. But now you continue to trend downward. Are you concerned? You know, we're not hearing a lot of those questions. No, we're, we're two years away from ever questioning anything that yeah. they do business wise. You, you know what I mean? Like that. They're 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 good. They're good. And they're going to continue to be good. Uh, barring some unforeseen, like completely random circumstances or, you know, Fox opting out of their deal somehow or some sort of, you know, we're, we're, we're way far away from that. So we're, we're two years away from even questioning for a second about their future business wise. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, I think that's a big thing here. And otherwise I don't think there's a, a ton to digest here because these are all results that we were expecting. I mean, the network number, did you talk about the network number? Uh, just quickly, quarter? I just said the 1.5 million. So. Overall, and 1.1, I think it was 1.12 or something like that domestic. So yeah, right where yeah. they were, that's right where they were <laughs> the previous are. quarter. <laughs> yeah, it, well, they went down overall because they were 1.7 million the previous quarter, I believe. And they're down to 1.5 worldwide this quarter. And But the domestic was still in the same range, that 1.1 million. 
which again, now they don't have to worry about that anymore. This is the final quarter where that really matters. I mean, they won't even track it anymore. There's nothing to track. So we can kiss that goodbye. And it's none of their concern. They've got that fixed cost coming in, that fixed, uh, you know, fixed invoice that they'll be receiving um, each year, 200 million, 50 million per quarter for uh, those 1.1 million subscribers. So they were able to flip it for a billion dollars. But, um, you know, again, it wasn't going to grow. They were never going to grow it to where they were making 200 million domestically, not without creating a new star, which is full circle to the first hour of this show. So that's why they made that deal. Talked about it last week. And, um, you know, like you said, Brandon Thurston will deep in, dive in even deeper. This week's WrestleNomics will be must listen to really get granular on this stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's the quick synopsis, and that leaves us a little bit of time. Yeah, real okay. So I, I just want to preface the Nikon quote. I have it here now, exactly. So I want to oh, make okay. sure I had yeah. it right. I, mean, I, I think I misunderstood what he meant by uh, linear eyeballs, but I still actually don't know if I understand what he means. I don't think anybody understands. So he says, "quote We don't believe we have lost eyeball eyeballs, but they have shifted from linear eyeballs to digital platforms." A continued good in-ring product. Well, unfortunately, geez, continued. Well, that's a Nick, Nick, uh, Nick, <laughs> Nick Val. A continued good in-ring product will bring more eyes to linear <laughs> platforms. So I don't know what any of that fucking means, but uh, I think what he's saying. <laughs> I think this is what he's saying. In all seriousness, I think he's saying yes. Our consumer metrics are all down. Every one of them. Okay. Except digital Couldn't platforms. Digital platforms are, are rising, Joe. Right. 30 billion or 80 billion or whatever the hell I said earlier. Couldn't get the network going. Less and less people are watching TV. But we don't think we've lost those viewers. Right. We think they've moved on to digital platforms, meaning Twitter, Instagram, uh, whatever the fuck they're on. Uh, whatever other. Yeah. And what he's saying is since we haven't lost them, we can get them back to watching the television, in other words, becoming linear eyeballs once again. Okay. I think that's what he's saying. Do you buy that? Uh, sort of. Yeah, I, I guess that, that. So that's originally what I kind of thought it was, but there we go. I guess we, we got it. There, but do so. you buy that? No, I don't fucking buy it. No. Jesus. Because I don't buy the fucking uh, $90 billion YouTube you know, views. But is it yeah. okay? Let me, let me play devil's advocate. Isn't he talking about you? Because you're the guy who won't watch Raw, but to be up on what's going on so you can do this show, you'll catch up on YouTube. Sure, yeah. So from that perspective, he might not be wrong. He's probably right that there are a lot of people that check in. Uh, they do touch points with WWE. They, they watch a YouTube video. They follow him on Twitter. They do all that sort of stuff, but they don't watch the weekly TV. Yeah, so yeah, no, I, I, I guess he's not I mean, he's not totally off base there. The way he describes it is kind of weird. No, he's not wrong. I mean, there still is a lot of people that I think have an affinity for WWE and would watch WWE if it was good. And that's kind of what he's saying there. But he, you know, the continued part of the good and product, I, I would say uh, is, is, is tough, but he's not, no, you're right. He's, he's not actually wrong with what he's saying there. I'm going to listen to the call later, but does anybody ask how they plan to convert those 38 billion digital views I've, into money? I've always wondered that. I've always said, okay, you can, you, you know, George Barros would say, oh, well, the, you know, the, the network is $1.4 million, but we have 90 million subscribers on YouTube. And I'm like, cool, we'll convert like 
fucking one percent of them and you guys are good to go for you know a generation like convert yeah. some of those convert point five percent of those 80 billion followers that you have on social media and then we're talking man then you're doing good but you convert like point oh 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 one percent of them and it's like that's that to me is a more indictment if i was on that call i would say wait a minute so you told me you have 90 million subscribers on social media and we're only getting 1.5 million of those people to give us ten dollars a month like you guys are bad at your job is what i would say but that's a, for some reason never came up and they never took my call on the uh, investor calls. So. Well, I think – look, I totally understand why they try India every five years because – Oh, I would. Because you hope that – yeah, you hope at one point you, you, you break through somehow and fuck, yeah. One percent of your fans in India start subscribing to your network and you're good to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're, you're good. Yeah, they, they went last time with Jinder and they had to cancel half the tour and it was a disaster and Triple H beats him at the end of the tour. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, yeah. And it holds his hand up. <laughs> with his moves. Yeah, with his moves. With the pedigree. Him. So that didn't work. And I just think a lot of that was, all right, maybe they tried too soon. Maybe Jinder wasn't the right guy. A million different reasons. So they they seem to be reshuffling that deck. They've got all these Indian prospects. We just saw a bunch of them on whatever that was called, Super Showdown. What was that called? Superstar Showdown. Uh, Superstar. Superstar Spectacle. Superstar Spectacle. Um, so they've got a nice batch of, of of young wrestlers that okay. So they said, all right, look, gender's not enough. We need to have a full roster of people. We need to recruit. We need to train. We need to uh, make stars. So. I would continue to try India as well because obviously they're getting a lot of these, you know, impressions on YouTube or whatnot from India. They know that they're not ignorant to that. Um, So that's one answer of how they're trying to monetize all this, but no one really presses them on that. Like what good are all these Twitter followers? What are you doing to make money off of any of this? Well, that's that America, any business right now. I would, I would ask that same thing. I, I deal with it at my job and I'm sure many, many other people in this, in this field, you know, deal with it is, you know, yeah, X amount of followers. Cool. Well, what do you do? Like, are any of those people paying us for anything? Are they buying anything? Or are they just following you? Following doesn't matter. Who cares? You know, who gives a shit? And, and hopefully at some point people realize that with social media, but, uh, Today is not going to be that day, unfortunately. So, Well, TNA tried India. WWE has tried India. They're going to try India again. Maybe it's just something culturally well that where they'll follow something, but they don't want to spend money on it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. There's also bots. A lot of bots are from that area as well. It's it, it, yeah, the, the, the social media, uh, whatever. I don't want to get into that conversation right now, but uh, a little too deep for the last 20 minutes. Yeah, I think so. As somebody who works in that field, I can, I can definitely say it, the value that people associate. And that's, I fucking, you know, it's it's something that I get paid for, but the value people attribute to, to, I, to me, the wrong parts of social media is, is, Looking at the raw numbers, we have X amount of this or whatever is, okay, okay, cool, but I don't give a shit. What are you converting on those people? You can have 9 billion people follow you from India, but if none of them buy anything, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? It's worthless. It's completely worthless. So, um, yeah. And, 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 and it makes you question, are these even, you know, you know, what is it worth? And are they real, you know, are they real people? Are they bots? And if they are real people, then why, you know, you know, what worth do we have? You know, what worth do they have to us other than just a number we can count and, and, and point to, but. People like counting and pointing to that number. So there you go. All right. Let's get to uh, the final segment here. GCW's fight forever. Uh, uh, at the top, I do want to say they raised $54,000 on Indiegogo. Uh, so the 24-hour GCW stream uh, on YouTube. Joe, you watched, I believe, what was it, 16 of the 24 hours? Do I have that number correctly? At least, yeah. Maybe a little more because I think it went a little over 24 hours. Um, I watched until... 
I watched everything from the start until the New Japan show came on at 4 a.m. And then I watched New Japan, went to bed, and I jumped back in during the two-hour Iron Man match. So I didn't see anything from 4 a.m. till about 1 or 2 in the afternoon. But you saw everything from about 7 a.m. till 2 in the afternoon. So between us, the only stuff we can't talk about was between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it's not not bad coverage here. So yeah, it started uh, started at seven p.m. Eastern or, or eight p.m. Eastern, I should say, on uh, on Friday, and then ran all the way through Saturday uh, until uh, six p.m. Uh, there with a bunch of what is it, seventeen shows or something like that, just kind of wall to wall stuff. We're not going to cover every single show, obviously, uh, and and I do have a grand point at the end of this that that I I am going to discuss a little bit as well. Uh, but I mean, what were you? What was your overall takeaway? I did not watch the stuff on Friday night. I was going to. Uh, what I was going to do is, you know, kind of hang out with, you know, with the nurse for the first part. And then when she fell asleep, I was going to turn it on. Uh, I heard from a lot of people that production was an absolute disaster in the first few shows, uh, in the first few hours. Now, you lived, you were watching it live as it was going on. What what was going on with that? I heard the audio was kind of messed up. The buffering was all messed up. It, it, it sounded like it was a disaster. You've lived through um, the AAA show a few years ago, right? Oh, yeah. You lived through what was that uh, streaming service ROH was using? Oh for their my IP god! Uh, fuck! What was the name of that one? So bad. Go fight live, right? Go fight live. And the one before that, go fight live. You've lived through the one that came either before or after that that they were using. You've lived through early WWN live. Um, this was the worst production I've ever seen for a wrestling show in my entire life. Um, the sound was off. By at least thirty seconds from the from the video, that's a long time, Rich. That's like <laughs> for for an action sport. That is, yeah, that's pretty bad. That is a long time. Like, and the sound was ahead, so you knew what oh, was going to happen. Oh no! Then it was behind. Then there was just no picture. <laughs> then the power went out. <laughs> then the power went out in the venue, and they were they they were they got they went black for an hour. Which set the whole thing back. Because this is a timed event. An utter disaster. The worst part about it were the first three shows. The the Game Changer Wind of God. Game Changer for the Culture. And the UV60 Death Hour. Were probably the three best segments of the entire 24-hour event that at least I saw. But they were the ones that were mired by all the production issues. And they were horrendous production issues. Um, none of those three, I think, are shows that you need to... I would not recommend any of the three to anyone. But it was the best of a horrid 24 hours of wrestling. This thing fucking stunk. Well, I God, guess we'll get to my grand point right now. I'm done. I'm yeah. throwing in the towel on GCW this year. I'm, I'm over it. We, 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 we talk about them. We cover them because they're the top. But we need to just not because it's it's... It's bad, and I don't really like it anymore. So it's a waste. It's a waste of my time. There's so much other, you know. There's there's other stuff going on. There's other indies that I can give my time to. There's other, you know, IWTV's got a bunch of new indies that are up all the time. There's stuff in Japan I don't watch because I watch GCW stuff. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not watching them anymore. They need so to. You they, they had to win me back. They got to win me back. I'm done. We 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 need. We can stop covering it if you want on the show. I don't. But I'm done. I, after watching six or seven hours of this shit, it, it, I, I'm done. I'm over it. Yeah, I mean, 
there's just so much bad wrestling in this circle of indie wrestling. And we always bury the modern indies. I, are we not fair? Because we always watch. I don't know. That, and that's what I mean. I'm sick of burying the indies and only watching, you know, a few different ones or only watching GCW. It's like, no, you know what? Maybe there is good shit out there. And I'm just wasting my time watching Ali Cat's hot, real hot girl shit or watching the fucking uh, Iron Man Challenger. I mean, maybe maybe that it's my fault. Maybe I need to. So I'm done. I'm done just blanketly saying that the American indies suck. And I'm actually going to go and start watching some other stuff to, to make sure that my point's correct or at least be proved wrong. I'm more than happy to be proved wrong and, and, and watch something that really is like, hey, there's a lot of really good talent here. Hey, this is a fun little indie, but I'm, I'm done using GCW as my, you know, frame of reference for the American indies because it's fucking stinks. The Game Changer, Glory Pro, Black Label Pro. Yeah, I'm done with that universe. I'm done with that universe. Yeah, are it's not good. Um, and it, you know, and I, I, I think I feel like we just are being mean all the time. You know, it's just not good. The talent's not there, and more than that, the booking is horrendous. They don't even try. You know, nobody tries to book at pro wrestling anymore, at least in this circle of the indies. And it hurts the shows, and it's 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 bad for the wrestlers. They're not doing the wrestlers any favors when they don't have any direction. Um, it's just go out there, get your shit in. You know, it's uh, it's it's this was a rough. There's no shot if I don't do this show that I'm watching this for 24 hours the way that I did. I watched it because I felt like I had to, and it was bad. And it, it's just. <sighs> There's no other time in the history of the Indies that a 24-hour event like this would have been this horrible. How great would something like this have been in 2007 or as recent as like 2016 or 2015? We would have had multiple match of the year contenders and we would have let off the show with this and said how great all the wrestling was. There wasn't a single match in this 24-hour thing that I could even recommend that my listeners go watch not one match that I can confidently say that's a must see match. And they had 24 hours worth of wrestling on this thing, not a single match. And a lot of it was among the worst shit that you'll see all year. It's bad. So I think you're right. I think, you know, maybe it's time to try different indies. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I am. I mean, I, you could join me on this ride if you want, but I'm, I'm done. I'm done giving these I don't guys. Think, see, I just don't think the talent's out there. I think this is a talent-depleted pool. Yeah, maybe. And there's only a certain ceiling that this stuff could hit. Right now, I'm looking for the bare minimum. Just give me a well-booked show. Yeah. Can, it, I get, can I get that at minimum? You know, we, 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 we talked to someone who, who's involved in the indies and, and they, you know, I, I kind of, I mentioned this to them. I said, you know, I'm, I'm done with GCW. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm breaking up with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm can't, I can't be in this relationship anymore. I need to, you know, go see other people and try other things. And, you know, they said, okay, well, I'll, I'll send you recommendations, but you know, you might not like it. And I said at the, just tell me that the guys try and that the company tries, and that's all I want. All I want is when when the guys get to the arena, there's a fucking plan, and at least at the end of the day, some guy tries to say, hey, you know what, let's do this with this match, or let's build it. That's all I'm asking. I'm just fucking A to B. I just want one guy to get a win, and it be a momentum boost to move him up the ladder. Like, that's all I'm asking for, the bare fucking minimum. I don't, I don't need this to be, you know, 2014, you know, indies, and I don't need, you know, ricochet-level talents and all that. I just want, like... 
guy wins match and he moves up the ladder and he's on his quest to win the world title. That, you know what I mean? That's all I want. I just want like some sort of this guy's on the opener, this guy's in the mid card, and these guys are the main eventers. And the mid card guy wants to become a main eventer and he wants that's all I'm asking for at this point. That's all I'm asking for. The work at a bare minimum be somewhat competent, but but GCW is giving me none of those. It's it's not competent work in my mind, and 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 the booking is non-existent. So it's it, there's just there's no effort. So I'm done. Can I do a Francesa here? One, two, three. I'm looking at all these shows and I'm counting what I think the number of people that would get booked on an average PWG show five years ago that could even get booked. I see three. I'm not gonna name names. I'm not doing this. Yeah, anymore. yeah. Let's not do that. I, I don't want to. I don't want to make it. people mad at us. And it's four. I'm really pushing it with some of these, but four. <laughs> I know where you're at in your list, and I can already. You're not gonna name a lot more. Go ahead. Five. <laughs> I see. I see five people on this entire 24 hours that I think could get booked on a decent PWG show five years ago. And to be honest, at least two or three of those five were on the Indies at that time and didn't. So I'm probably wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm being as fair as possible here. I think that I'll name, I think Lee Moriarty is a lock. He's really good. No, he's, he's tremendous. Yeah. I think, I think where he is now, Chris Dickinson would be a lock. But how come he wasn't getting booked then? But I think where he is now, he's a lock. Sure. Oh, for sure. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. And outside of that, I think there's two or three more who I, I think could crack a decent PWG lineup. And I'm sorry if you think that's a hard standard, but that was the top or an evolve lineup. You want to use evolve instead. Maybe it would open it up a little more because Gabe would give new people a shot early in the show. Yeah. Or like if you and I, like I'm never ever in my life going to fucking do this, but if you know, you and I were going to produce an indie or whatever guys that we would circle and say, yeah, we'll give them a call and see what, you know, the list is, yeah, there's, I don't know, seven or eight probably. And that's full card. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, and that's, that's maybe even a little high. Leo rush is a lock too. He can get booked anytime, any place. He's great. So you have Leo Rush. I don't know about Blackheart, but Leo Rush will get booked. Yeah, he can leave, he can leave the Blackheart if he calls and says, "Hey, should I bring the Blackheart gear?" I'm going to tell him, uh, "No, just Leo Rush no, will be fine." Yeah. <laughs> Leo, Leo, come as Leo Rush. That'd be great. Yeah. No, Man of the Hour, please. Man <laughs> yeah, of the that's hour. right. Yeah, leave 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 Blackheart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, don't bring and, the face paint. We don't need it. We're good. And then there's some other people who are decent for the current scene, but would never crack a decent. PWG or Evolve lineup when things were really were, were really working. Um, they just wouldn't. You know, and, and I guess there's some I would consider prospects, maybe? I don't know. The, you know, it's like... I really do, I, and again, I, 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 I don't want to interrupt, but I really do think that the structure of GCW is just, to me, I, and this, I think, was the weekend when I finally realized it, because I, I truly believe that there was, like you said, there are a lot of people that I saw that I'm like, you know what? The building blocks of, of a good wrestler or good talent or a fun talent or an interesting talent is here. 
but it's got to be unlocked. It's got to be unleashed. And that, that's true of any wrestler. Any wrestler, I mean, most wrestlers at a baseline, they show up to an arena and they're told nothing and they just go out there and have a match. Like, it's, they, 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 why would you get invested in that? Why would you understand? I mean, there needs to be a purpose to the work that you're doing. There needs to be a reason for you to wrestle in this match. And I think that there are plenty of people on, these, on, on this night and as I was watching. And that's when my frustration came in. And that's when I finally said, you know what? I'm done with this shit. Because... I do believe that that's a case. I do really think that they're not, I'm not saying that this is anywhere near the talent that it was, you know, four or five, six years ago or any, anywhere near where it's been over the last 20 years, really, on the Indies, ever since Ring of Honor uh, came up in, you know, 2002. Nowhere near that. Of course, there's definitely a depletion of, of talent. But I think that there's enough building blocks here that, that under the right tutelage with, a company that really cares about doing the day-to-day stuff and really cares about a hierarchy and really cares about booking and wins and losses and all that sort of stuff. I do think that there is the makings of a decent roster here and 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 a decent, you know, but put in the wrong hands with no filter and no regard for how you approach wrestling, how you approach your match, what your style is, the aesthetics, that all that sort of stuff is just like completely thrown out the ta- out the window. And to me, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't know if it is GCW that's making it that way or if these wrestlers really don't have, you know, the, the it factor or they're not being trained to be. But but I would like to try. I would like to see what would happen uh, with some of these ones or, or at least what what what's going on in the indies outside of GCW because this, this is just not working anymore. I'm done with this. Let's run through the show's pithy thoughts. Okay. Pithy thoughts. Wind of God. You see any of it? I did not see any of it, but I heard uh, okay. heard Leo Rush and Blake Christian was an interesting two out of three falls match. So. Awful. I mean, just an utter disaster. Um, you know, they try to do – these two have been having like this NXT-style melodrama feud. This just didn't work. The rules were confusing. The announcers were the only people who understood the rules with the black door and the red door. Um, <laughs> Why would you the, do this? The ref was confused. That's good. Um, That's always solid when the ref doesn't know the rules. That's good. It was long. The wrestlers and the ref weren't on the same page, and it just was not good at all. So, an utter disaster. Other than that. that. Um, Janela versus Treehouse Lee was the match that suffered the most from the production issues, which is a shame. Um, I can't really tell you. I mean, I guess it would... I can't even tell you. I just, it was, I can't, how can I, it was too, it was too much of a mess production wise to really see what was going on. Um, one called the Manders, one called Manders was the most impressive person on this show. He looked great in his match. I'll say that. And, uh, you know, Matthew justice and, um, who the fuck did he uh, KCB? He faced KTB, right? Who I thought was retired. I thought, yeah, he he went off in the distance and retired, and then now he's just back. So that's cool. <laughs> it was decent. It was what you would expect from those two. Those are two of the better guys on yeah, the yeah. scene. That was fine. Um, so that was the and that was one of the better shows of the thing. What was next? Oh, for the culture. Yeah, for the culture. Yeah, I didn't see. I didn't see a single uh, minute of this, unfortunately. Yeah, again, production issues really hurt it, and it was frustrating as a viewer, but. Everything on paper on this show was what you thought it would be on paper. Um, but it was nothing special, and I can't recommend anything on it. The 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 Hoodfoot, I think, is one of the most overrated wrestlers on the scene. <laughs> I don't know what anyone sees in Hoodfoot. I'm not trying to be mean. I just I – don't, I don't get it. He wrestled AJ Gray. Tankman was on the show. He wrestled uh, P, PB Smooth. It was okay. But nothing here was anything where I'd say you got to go see it. 
the first for the culture, the what the for the culture from Indianap from Indianapolis blew this the fuck away. That's that's what I heard from a lot of people. Yeah. What was next? Uh, next was the UV sixty, the Death Hour, which I <laughs> there's nothing. Richard, Richard was good. Well, like was this. it? Okay, all right, all right. This may have been my favorite show of the entire thing. Homicide was a lot of fun. It was Homicide versus Effie. Madman Pondo and Jeff Cannonball, they did what you would think they would do. <laughs> yeah, I close my eyes and imagine you know, what, you know? I, yeah, what that match would be in 2021. I, I bet it's, it's probably about what I thought it was going to be, so that's good. And then the schlack. I mean, you got what you thought you were going to get on a show like this. Sure. It, it, I, no pretense. It was what it was. Which I, No, it, it was yeah. fun to watch. And Homicide was charismatic and called out Effie. Effie wasn't supposed to wrestle. I think someone couldn't show up. Low Life um, Louie was supposed to face uh, Homicide. Apparently, Yeah, I mean, Effie's an upgrade, in my opinion. I mean, because it was an interesting matchup to have Homicide versus Effie. You know? that Where are you going to see Homicide versus Effie? So, I, I don't know. I Look, again... Am I recommending the show to anyone? No, but I enjoyed that short block. What was next? Uh, next was Jimmy Lloyd's Up All Night. I don't remember anything about it. I'm pulling up the lineup now. Oh, this had the Nolan Edward Wheeler Utah match, which I was looking forward to, and it was a nice little match. Okay. It delivered. Nolan Edward is a guy to keep an eye on. I got tipped off to him. I've seen some of his stuff. He doesn't even have a cage match profile. He's like that early in the scene. Um, But Wheeler Utah looked good. Edward looked good. Look, is it going to go in your notebook? It's not. But at this point in the show, they're also trying to make up time, and no one was really getting a lot of time. The other, there was a scramble match here too, and I know that you can finally jump in. Because the person who impressed me the most in the scramble and someone who impressed me later on was J.J. Garrett. Mm -hmm. Now, me watching this 24 hours, I'm watching this from the perspective of someone who's scouting the next generation of wrestlers. And honestly, I didn't see many people that I would confidently recommend to a promoter. J.J. Garrett is someone who, if the right person got a hold of him and refined him a little bit, I saw something in J.J. Garrett. Now, you've been watching J.J. Garrett for years, mm-hmm. so why don't you... Yeah, to me, I, 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 he's always been someone that he's still only like 27 years old, so he's still pretty young and still pretty uh, early in the game. The problem with him has always been not necessarily like his skill level or his talent level, which I thought has always been pretty damn good and always, you know, pretty interesting. Uh, he's got great charisma, too. He definitely comes across as a guy who gets it. Uh, definitely not a playing pro wrestler guy. You know what I mean? Like a, a guy that really understands his character and kind of harnesses his character and understands, you know, when he's out there, you know, how to hit, get heat. You know, he's a tremendous heel. Uh, in, in most of the places that I've seen him. The problem with him is he's never been fully invested in being a pro wrestler, which, which you know, what I mean by that is getting in a car and driving to North Dakota, getting in a car and driving to Philadelphia, getting in a car and going to California. Get, you know what I mean? He will work your show in Illinois. He'll work your show in Iowa. He'll work your show in Indianapolis. But that's all. That's all he's going to do. He's going to basically, where he can drive to that night, he's going to do that. But he's not going to go beyond that. He's not going to really make it a go. So seeing him do this, though, is interesting, though. That does kind of make me think, okay, maybe now he's he, he's looking in the mirror and going, look, the Indies the way they are, you know, where my life is or my career is at, at this point, this might be the time for me to kind of get going and, and, and see what I can do. I know that he had popped up uh, earlier in the year at the Run Ricky Run show from GCW, though I think they did it in New Jersey or something like that. So he's popped up a little bit in GCW. 
And that's been the one place where he has kind of moved out of the, the area to, to kind of wrestle. So I don't know. I don't know if this is the beginning of, 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 of something for him, but he's a guy that always had, felt like he had the skills, but to me, he never just got the reps. You know what I mean? Like I, I've been watching him since God, 2013 or something like that, but it's always, you know, he pops up just in sh- random indie shows in, in Illinois and Indiana or whatever. So he's never felt can like I, a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Can I give the best compliment I could give from the two matches I saw of him. I felt dumb jock wrestler energy. Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you're going to get that out of him, but. I did on this show. Okay. He looked like a Scott Steiner mini me with a <laughs> wrestling shoes, and he was just doing dumb jock shit. I don't know. What was, oh, and uh, one thing I'll say too Lucky 13 was the only guy on these shows who even bothered to attempt to work like a heel outside of the outside of the 440H guys. Because the 440H guys are very clearly the big heels in GCW, right. and they at least do some character work. Nobody else on any of these shows. <laughs> th- that's all I'm asking for. When that person was like, hey, you know, I'll send you stuff. I'm like, Dude, heal a baby face in a match that matters and a result that matters. is literally That's what I'm asking for at this point. Like, I'm not yeah. asking for the world. I just want a heal and a baby face and a win to matter and a loss so, to, so to matter. Compliments so compliments to Lucky 13 for at least attempting to be a heel. <laughs> right. What was next? Next was uh, Fight Forever Odium. Another... Uh, I don't know. No, not maybe not all death matches here, but I do see Fight Forever Odium. I'm looking for this one. Uh, Fight Forever. This is at 3 a.m. So you may. I don't know. Oh, you may it, have I missed this it. one. I don't know. Uh, let me take a look. Oh no, I saw this. The end versus Iron Beast was a lot of fun. It was plunder. They're going around the building. Four big dudes just killing each other. Yeah, love it. One of the better matches I saw in the entire thing. So if you are looking for Rex, that's the one of the strongest Rex I'm going to give you. Um, the rest I really had one eye on, but, uh, I can't really comment a ton, but, um, you know, Matthew justice was on that show. Yeah. But the tag match, one of the better matches on the entire event. What, what time are we up to here? Cause I might have to tap out. Uh, we're at about, we got about a minute left till we're at. No, hours, I mean, so. on, the, on, the, on the rundown, I mean, of these shows. Cause I think I tap out in the sense that I didn't see what's coming. Oh, I see. So next, next after dark, uh, after dark at 4am, it started with solo darling and Billy okay. Starks. And I believe you said, I am going to go to sleep. <laughs> when solo darling and Billy Starks hit the screen, I turned on new Japan. So that was the end of that. I did not see that show. I did not see after hours, the 5am block. I can't jump in. No, it's your turn. So you woke up at 7 a.m.? Uh, yeah, around 6 or 7. I uh, I initially put on the Freelance Freelance Underground, but it ended up my video wasn't working. It was kind of being weird. I couldn't find the video. Uh, but I officially got in uh, at 7 a.m. for the Glory Pro uh, show, about halfway through the Glory Pro show, which was solid enough. I, I actually enjoyed uh, some aspects of uh, the, the, the Glory Pro show. Uh, AJ Gray and Mike Outlaw was – let me let me hear. Let me make sure I have the whole card here because I know some of the stuff did change, so I want to make sure I have – uh, the exact card that went on there. It was it was a sleepy, you know, as you're kind of dozing, you know, picking the pieces up there. So, all right. So, yeah, I saw – okay, so I saw actually half uh, – two, two of the matches here. So I saw Hakeem Zayn uh, versus one called Manders, which was pretty solid again. And one called Manders is, again, another guy, uh, like you mentioned earlier, who, who has impressed me a little bit. Uh, and then AJ Gray versus Mike Otlo was pretty damn good uh, as well. And those are two guys that I do think, you know, when, when you're talking about people that I do think have potential. Uh, if and, and I think AJ Gray is another one that – under the right, if, if if he was in a company that cared about booking and cared about stuff, I think he would be tremendous. But given 
he shows up and they say, hey, do whatever the hell you want, whatever, man, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, without that, without that control, I think his worst, you know, things come up. His worst habits yeah. come up. And 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 he's a guy, because I'll see him in, like, a match like this, and I'm like, this guy's good. Like, he's so good. But, like, I don't know that 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 anyone's going to harness, you know, him on, on the current indie scene anymore, at least. Not, I know GCW for sure won't. So that was a, that was a pretty fun show from what I saw uh, there. Then I watched... Um, uh, Black, Black, Black Little Pro, which was really good because one called Manners again was there, so he he, he was solid enough. Uh, but the main event, Rohit Raju versus a very good professional wrestler, was a very good professional wrestling match because those are two very good professional wrestlers. I so, wanted to see that match, that was but good. I wasn't. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to get up that early after New Japan, so but I did want to see that match. Yeah, go play. if you if you are looking for ones that you missed. Uh, I mean, I don't know that I would definitely say you have to watch any of the Glory Pro stuff, uh, but definitely watch Rohit Raju and a very good pro wrestler. I thought that was uh, pretty damn good. Uh, a match that I I kind of want you to watch it because I just would love to I would love to I'd love to put like a blood pressure read on, on on your you know prior to watching this match and then after watching this match because I cannot imagine what uh, you would do Camp Leapfrog that Cybernetico here with a shit ton of wrestlers a bunch of people that don't look like they belong anywhere near a pro wrestling ring people that I I can't even fathom got into pro wrestling uh, Joe this was an absolute fucking disaster nobody. There was 18 wrestlers. You saw the ring, right? You saw the yeah, ring in the area yeah. around the ring. There wasn't much room. So people were like, t- one person would jump up to the apron, and then that person would get tagged in, and they would walk in, and they would do all that sort of stuff. And then there was also, they didn't really explain the cybernetical rules, which I know, but like I don't know if these people quite knew either. It didn't feel like the wrestlers maybe all the way knew what the rules were. I mean, they they tried a bunch of spots, but they were a lot of just like really, like really lame spots. There was like, you know, a sleeper spot where everybody in the match gave each other a sleeper type thing you know what i mean like just just shit that i know you would fucking hate and a bunch of characters that are like ah look how funny i am i'm like abs i have abs even though i'm fat <laughs> like you know terrible just really well, this bad was the stuff, former dude. the former chikara offer match basically yes yes uh, yes and you there there chikara. obviously are a few chikara folks that are, are decent like there was a uh erica lee was a was a woman's wrestler that i thought that was pretty solid she she was good uh uh, Boomer Hatfield was there. He's he's decent. A very good professional wrestler is decent. Uh, Matt Mikowski is okay. So there was some okay talent, but there was a lot of really bad talent on the show too. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you watch the game block? I did. I did watch the uh, the game block. Uh, not. I'm. I'm good. At this point, I was starting to kind of do some stuff around the house, realizing maybe I don't want to spend my whole day sitting here watching GCW. Uh, so I didn't see all of it, but I saw some 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 stuff that I did like and some other stuff that I did not like. Uh, Devin Monroe versus Dark Sheik. I did want to point this one out. Because Devin Monroe, who I saw during the uh, collective weekend, really, I, I came away thinking Devin Monroe was great. Like, really cool, like, lucha-style stuff, really good high flyer, great athlete, all that sort of stuff. Uh, well, he had a match with Dark Sheik, and they decided they were going to do grappling, wrestling, and it was not good. It was taking the best thing that Devin Monroe does and then grounding him to a halt uh, by doing a grappling match. So that was uh, that was pretty bad. But uh, the the main event was was awesome, because it was uh, Otison and, and Perro. Uh, versus uh, the Oreo Speedwagon, Ugh. <laughs> but that that led me to my tweet of Odinson and Paro. We need way more people like them on the Indies. They come out looking like the fucking Road Warriors. They're built like brick shit houses, and they just come up yeah. and they just fucking bully these little assholes all over the ring. And I'm like, yes, it still exists. Like some people still get it. And these dudes, they look like a million bucks. They're fucking huge. They're just, oh my god, they're just throwing lariats and shoving yeah. guys all over the ring. And I'm like, more of this. Like, come Paro, on. Uh, Odinson is a fucking 
beast. Oh my god, he's so he's bigger, Joe. When's the last time you've seen him? I saw him. I saw him against. uh, I I just talked about it. I saw them wrestle. um, Oh, that's right. That's right. He's like seventy pounds heavier than the last time I saw him. Just he looks like the warlord. He looks like Pete. Yes, I love it. I love it. Coming out with slick with the half mask. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and 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 Paro's a big boy. Listen, I. This is why I think Bear Country is such a good addition to AEW because they don't have anybody like Bear Country. Mm-hmm. They have a bunch of flippy do teams, and I think Bear Country adds a great element to them. And I agree. The end, it's just so much different than normally what you see. So we were both impressed. So we're giving them good marks. You think we just pick on everything, but uh, we're both giving the end good marks. That's good to know. Can I, uh, Devin Moore, Devin Monroe, quickly? Yeah. Man. I'm not seeing what you see. I think Devin Monroe kind of stinks. Okay, that's I, fair. That's I, fair. I, I've seen Devin Monroe, and I don't, I don't get it. But um, uh, you know, we'll have a split opinion there. Um, did you watch Alley Cat's Real Hot Girl shit? Uh, I watched a few minutes of uh, Alley Cat's Real Hot Girl. God, shit. that looks like an atrocious lineup. It I couldn't even imagine. It Was not it. good. Yeah, there was some, some like Lady Frost was solid. Uh, Erica Lee, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, was solid. Um. <laughs> that was Ellie Cat's real <laughs> girl shit. It was not All good, right. and that's when I decided I should go shovel some snow or something else and decide. Uh, so I missed uh, the last half of that show uh, after I'd watched. So I, I, I wanted to make sure uh, that I watched the uh, Jordan Oliver, Tony Depp, and Iron Man match. So I checked in uh, for that. And then that's when All you, right, so did you see the entire two hours? I saw the or... entire two hours, yes. So obviously the first I hour, saw... um, they go to a draw and decide we're going to settle this. We're not going to end this on a fucking draw. And I'm in the other room going, oh, all right, yeah, we're going to do an, uh, you know, overtime. And Jordan Oliver says, let's go one more hour. And I went, oh, <laughs> okay. I don't know about that, but uh, let's do it. And they did it. And uh, you hated it. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I saw, to be clear, I only saw hour two. Well, the hour one's not really spectacular either. So there's not. I want it, but, but I ha- in the interest of full disclosure. You should watch the whole to- thing. You should watch the whole thing. I'm never doing that. But <laughs> I only saw hour two just so everyone knows. Okay, what I saw was a giant pile of shit, and I think Tony Deppin's a nice little wrestler, maybe a tad overrated, but a nice little wrestler. Jordan Oliver gets pushed everywhere, and I do not get it. I just went on a rant behind a paywall. Oh, dude, I watched him in MLW this week. He was so bad. Oh, God. And no matter where he is, they push him. I don't understand. Yeah. He's not good. He's like a stretched out 2006 Jack Evans. With I none was going to say, talent. he reminds you of Jack Evans, who Ring of Honor s- smartly realized. Yeah, with half the talent of Jack Evans. And even Ring of Honor realized, we're going to put you in openers and just do flips and shit and then get out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, go away. Not even half the talent. None of the talent of Jack <laughs> right. Evans. Jack Evans was good. Like, this guy, I don't know. He has, like, two left feet. Um, now, he takes a lot of criticism online, and he takes it in stride. I'll give him credit for that. He, I saw him getting beat. They were beating him the fuck up on Twitter after this match. And he was just like, hey, man, people have opinions. And I respect that. You know, he's not gotten to. He's trying to get better. Um, but I, I, I do not fucking get it. I, I just I don't get it at all. Uh, and now MLW is pushing him. Man. But what I saw of this match, which was only the second hour, only an hour of this match <laughs> that I saw, no connective tissue. Um, we had a pretty prominent independent wrestler pop in our DMs, someone who's very well regarded as a worker. I won't say anything more because I don't want people to do detective work um, during this match and basically say, look, I don't think I can think of two wrestlers I want to see work an hour, let alone two hours. It's too much. It's too hard to do. And then we had a nice conversation about 
how do you even put together a two-hour match? The, the best you can hope to do is, is break it up into segments and then tell a story within those segments. I don't know if they tried to do that. It didn't come across. This just looked like guys doing stuff. Um, none of yeah, it was good. That, that's, I mean, the early part of the match was, yeah, a lot of just dudes doing stuff. And they, they went, it was like 0-0, like very far into the match uh, as well. And now I will give them this. I, I appreciate their attempt at trying to do something interesting and do something noteworthy and do something that's going to cause some, some conversation and cause some sort of stuff. I Did they, did they ultimately succeed in that? I don't know. I, you know, now a week out or a week later, I don't know that that's like been the talk of the wrestling world. It, it barely was the talk of the wrestling world that weekend, uh, especially with the Royal Rumble going on that weekend, but I appreciate their attempt at trying it. And I appreciate them trying to at least, you know, break up the show and, and, and break up this 24 hours by doing something interesting and, and bold and, and different. But uh, no, it was, I didn't hate it as much as you did, but I also didn't think it was like great. Like I, 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 I think you'd be disingenuous if you thought that this was a tremendous or a great match. It, it just, it just wasn't. It just, it just, it just was not. I thought it was legitimately bad. I didn't, I didn't think it was good at all. And and I don't think that anyone is equipped to work a two hour match, especially Jordan Oliver. I, I, I even Deppin. I mean, he can't. It's a two hour match. What story can you tell? in a two hour story in pro wrestling. Come on. Uh, for what it's worth, it's at seven point eight eight on cage match. Nah, People... That's way too. That's way too high. <laughs> that's... I I mean, as far as buzz, I think they had a lot of buzz that day. I don't think it's sustained like throughout the week. Too much happened, but they did get buzz that day. Do I think people are going to look back at this like it's a classic? Or they? No, I don't think so. I don't think. I don't know. I've 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 picked on Jordan Oliver enough for the day. Um. And we have just a couple more to get through, and then we'll be yeah, through with we're, this. We're over, so we'll uh, we'll get there. So I I did not. I'm out now at this point. Uh, yeah, I did not I watch four four OHs, whatever the hell what we want. I actually know what I, I I I let me correct that. I did watch the main event. I saw Addis Cougar and, and and Ricky Shane Page versus the Mortons, and then I saw Ricky Shane Page challenge Blake Christian uh, for uh, the, the their match as well. So or, or Blake Christian challenged him. So I did see that part of, of the show. Well, fuck, it was like one of the few things that was actually booked on the yes, entire 24 yes, hours. which I'm glad I saw. So it made me believe that, hey, real things do happen sometimes in this. So. so Mance Warner showed up and had a perfectly acceptable match against Gregory Iron. The El Drunko thing, I don't get. I don't think it's funny, and I think it's just total trash. Um, and, yeah, the tag match with the Mortons, it was fine. And then they did the angle to set up the, you know, big main event at the end of the um, 24 hours, which was Ricky Shane Page's title versus Blake Christian's uh, career. Rockstar Knights was next. Uh, Let me pull that up and see if I remember, because this is now the part of the day where I have it on, but it's fucking Saturday. I'm doing shit. Yeah, I was I was totally out at this point. So, yeah, I was I was out. I haven't been enjoying what I have. Oh, this had the Homicide versus Eric Redbeard match that I genuinely, legitimately, non-ironically enjoyed. So I will praise that. It also had like the seventh Ken Broadway match of the of the 24 hours. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this guy, I don't think he went home or slept. Um, so that's all I really remember from that show, to be honest. And then they wrapped it up with uh, the, 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 the world – on G- whatever the GCW show was called that ended the thing. Chris Dickinson, Juicy Finale. Um, <laughs> Juicy Finale is a nice story. How about we leave it yes, at that? Yes, there you go. Perfect. Um, yeah. 
Joey Janela, Everett Connors. I don't get Everett Connors. I don't get his look. I think his work sucks. I'll be honest. I think he sucks. Um, I don't understand. You know, his gimmick. He's like a. He's supposed to be like a SoundCloud rapper or something. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not going to appeal to to us. So uh, maybe somebody likes it. But outside of that, like Janela's putting him over after this match is like the next big thing, and I'm like. You were in the match. Did you watch it? I mean, <laughs> right. Not if it's the next big thing, we're, we're in some trouble here. So Yeah, I mean, geez, this guy wouldn't sniff a decent indie show five years ago. Wouldn't sniff it. Um, And then Ricky Shane Page, Blake Christian. Obviously, Blake Christian is allegedly moving on to something. Um, And he lost this match. But at least it was something that was booked. Right. Like there was a story. You know, and it's like we started off with the Leo Rush-Blake Christian match, which was the culmination of a long rivalry. I didn't like the match, but at least it was something with some substance. And then we ended. You had to wait twenty. You had to wait a full day to get something else on this whole twenty-four hours that actually had a backstory or something, or was or, or had a modicum of booking effort at least. So um, you know that last show at least held my attention, um, even if I didn't think much of some of the matches that were on it. Um, so. That was uh, <laughs> that was seventeen hours of wrestling. So. I don't know if I'm forgetting something. Oh yeah, that had the JJ Garrett match against Eli Everfly. That was the second Garrett match that I saw, and I was impressed with him. Shane Mercer has a great look. This Braden Lee was on a million shows. He's trying to break through. Uh, G Raver versus Cole Radrick. I am not a Cole Radrick guy. <laughs> I do not want to watch that. Yeah. I, I I mean I know people love Cole Rad. I I just can't get in there. Cole Radrick's another one of these guys where it's like big indie guy now. You wouldn't get. Come on, you know, peak indies, Cole Radrick, you know, I don't know, I, whatever, GCW. I, there we go. So I, I'm breaking up with GCW for the time being, so we'll see how, uh, yeah. we'll see Rich's adventures in uh, other American indies goes uh, throughout the rest of 2021. But uh, that is it. We are way over time here on the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast and uh, touched everything, got all the topics, we got it all done like nobody else can do. So uh, patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling for additional uh, content, including our live instant reaction that we did after the Royal Rumble, almost two hours on the Royal Rumble uh, immediately following that. So if you want, you know, match by match breakdowns of the Rumble, uh, you can go there. Uh, VOW retro stuff, Thursday tier reviews, all the other stuff on the $5 tier, patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Also at Voices of Wrestling on Twitter, but don't follow and just throw your phone in the river. And then uh, Voices of Wrestling.com as well. You can go there. That, there's good stuff at Voices of Wrestling.com, much better stuff than what's on Twitter. So uh, that's it for us. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.